everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Min Max Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen. Thank you for being here. I'm joined by Kyle Coca-Cola Sipper Hilliard. That's me. Got a headache, so drinking some caffeine. Is that the secret? For me, it helps. You know, uh, here's a dirty secret. Um, when I stopped drinking caffeine, I got rid of a lot of headaches in my life. Turns out if, you, if you're not drinking caffeine, if you lay off the booze, headaches, a rare phenomenon. Hey, I don't, I don't drink a lot of booze. I don't drink a lot of caffeine. It's like I, I do that instead of taking aspirin, and that, that helps me out. That seems odd. But anyways, we're joined by Leo Vader. Hello. I had a headache today, and I did take aspirin. Yeah, it works out well, right? It's, I still have it. There it is. Um, yeah, I remember, um, I think it's like a Kurt Vonnegut thing where he's talking about how absurd it is. that like, hey, everything in life, it kind of works sometimes, but like aspirin or ibuprofen really does the job. Really, one of the most effective things quietly on earth. Uh, we're also joined by Jacob Geller. Hello, I've stopped eating and drinking entirely and I'm feeling great. Awesome. All right. Well, high energy for all this podcast. Let's keep it rolling. Uh, hey, on this episode of the podcast, we're going to try not to, but of course, we're going to talk a little bit about Final Fantasy VII. I know the news is a week old, but it was happening just as we were airing last week's episode, so we're going to be diving into those uh, Midgard depths. Then we're going to be talking about some overlooked games of the summer. Here's the big umbrella that I'm trying to shove everybody in this podcast under is like overlook games of the summer, which can mean new games that we're playing and enjoying that maybe need more eyeballs than also uh, indie games or indie game adjacent games uh, from Summer Game Fest that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet. So that's that's what we're trying to do. So we'll unpack all that fun stuff and then even more odds and ends that we're playing. And then Jana Garcia, I feel like it's been a lifetime. She's going to be joining us and then we're going to talk about Neon White. Speaking of good games we've been playing, uh, Jacob Geller, with your eyebrows alone, can you express to us how into this Neon White game you are? Oh my lord. Big. I believe oh. that's surprised. <laughs> uh, and then we have wonderful questions in the back half of the show that people submitted over there on Patreon. Thank you everybody for submitting so many great things each and every week. You you drown us in your mental riches. Patreon.com slash minmax with two ends. Please do it. Um, hey, Andrew writes in over there and he has a question. He said, hey, at this point, um, is Final Fantasy VII its own series? Oh. What, <laughs> what do you think, Kyle? Is it classifying as its own series at this point? Yeah. It's got yeah. a movie. It's got multiple games. Mobile it's a cinematic game. universe. <laughs> the FF7CU. Or just you. FF7U. Please. Uh, it, it does seem to be at that level. Like right now, they announced that they have technically four Final Fantasy VII games in development which is a fun thing to unpack here, right, Kyle? Because, well, let's not spoil everything. Basically, I'm thinking, I, well, the thing that I'm thinking about now is like, you know, it's a subgenre, right? Final Fantasy VII, not genre, but it's like a right. subseries of a larger series. And it's like, is it easily like the most popular and best selling Final Fantasy? Like, yeah. Probably, right? I well, think I so mean, longer. I don't know. Final Fantasy XIV seems like it's probably made $5 billion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it is weird that it seven has just g blown up so much within Final Fantasy as its own sort of series. It's and it strange. is it is telling at this point that like I know ten also made a gazillion dollars back in the day, but like that got a ten two and then we're done. I'm sure within ten to fifteen years they're going to start milking ten for all it's worth because I think that'd be next on the list. But hey, when yeah. the milk tastes this sweet, Leo, bottoms up, I say, buddy. That's right. More, please. That's right. Uh, so the four games in development for Final Fantasy VII right now, uh, it's the first Soldier Battle Royale for mobile, which 
I need to go back and play more of. I realize that. It is... Leo, it is PUBG Final Fantasy VII, and somehow I've only played two matches. You tell me how that makes sense. Please! You don't need to play more of everything. <laughs> no, you know, you can now, let things go, and that's healthy. You can play as the po- like polygonal versions of the characters, like PS1-style versions of the characters. That's can right. you do that in your precious Fortnite. <laughs> i don't think so don't you kill my Fortnite. <laughs> uh then also that weird mobile game ever crisis where they're remaking everything known to man for final fantasy then the big announcement jacob geller that happened last week i don't know if you care or you saw this but they announced crisis core final fantasy 7 reunion which is the big remaster of crisis core the psp game starring everybody's favorite zach fair um that is really I want to call it cult classic just because maybe it's on the PSP, but now is its opportunity to get blown out in a huge way. And the visuals look great, and it's coming out this winter. Are you tempted by Crisis Core, Jacob Geller? I, I mean, so so Final Fantasy Seven remake eyebrows. was use your eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Final oh, Fantasy Seven remake was my first entry into the Final Fantasy Seven averse, um, but I did love it i mean it was my game of the year for that year and so like previous to this i would have said no absolutely not i I don't care about like a psp remake or whatever but now who knows i didn't i guess i didn't catch from that trailer what the what is the gameplay going to be like like are they doing the remake style combat is it more like i what what is it what's the deal it's oh god so here my experience with this is not as solid as it should be so i borrowed it from game informer when i was working there to play on a psp just because i knew there was this huge uh gap in my final fantasy 7 knowledge and i made it like halfway through maybe a quarter of the way through and then just watched all the cutscenes on YouTube and had a fine time. But the, the combat for what I recall, it's more action-ish than the original Final Fantasy VII, but the big thing is they have like a roulette wheel in the corner that like modifies what's happening in the battle. So I think if you're expecting anything near the quality of the combat in Final Fantasy VII Remake, you'll be not exactly in love with it. Like, they- But I guess are they are they only remaking... Is this more of a traditional remaster? Like, are they going to keep the game systems the same? I don't know if they've communicated it yet. But yeah, I do think there might be kind of a a cold splash of water for anybody expecting a real current gen experience jumping into this thing. Because gameplay is all right. But the story, specifically the way it ends, is so good that people have really rosy memories about Crisis Core. So... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many people jump into it and whatnot. And it's fascinating just to see how much they are positioning the protagonist of this game, whose name is Zack, um, in all of like the key art for Final Fantasy VII and VII Remake at this point. He's just all over the place in a confusing way. Um, but the big one, Remake Part Two. They announced that Final Fantasy VII Remake is going to be released in three parts, which seems perfect. I was worried it was going to be four or five, that it would never actually end and all that stuff, and they'd never finish it. But three parts seems fantastic. And Kyle, this is called Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. We're all being birthed again in the healing waters. Uh, what is it? There's, there's, there's a healing waters of fill-in-the-blank. Lake Minnetonka? No, the seven averse, right? Isn't there some stream, some life-giving stream? Oh, the, you mean possibly the life stream? 
Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> well, there's, I guess there's a couple different healing waters, I guess, or drowning waters. It's not important. Um, but yeah, this thing's coming out next winter, which is a phrasing that confused a lot of people. Like, does that mean in the fall? Could that go into like March of 2024? It's a little bit confusing, but next winter is how they're phrasing yeah. it for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth here. Any video game, like just assume the further option, right? Yeah. If they say like yeah. next fall, just assume they mean like, like the one in between the two options, pick the one that's further out. And it's always Red Dead out. Online got its summer update in September. <laughs> this is, these are the people we're dealing with. <laughs> uh, Jacob, uh, what was your experience watching that trailer? Do you have any thoughts? I was, I mean, so the situation I was in was I was, I was uh, having a date night with my partner and Here I we go. Uh, completely like just stopped the whole thing cold. I was like, I'm sorry, I have to like fast forward through this press conference because I was I was kind of expecting nothing. I was like, you know, I expected the first like 35 minutes of it where it was like, here's our mobile game. Here's new like merch that you can buy. But then right, I saw right. on Twitter like, oh, my God, it's been announced. Uh, I, I am shocked that it's coming so soon, even if it is yes. February of 2024. That is still two years earlier than I thought uh, we would be seeing it. Yeah, and so um, they had little messages. So I'm psyched. Yeah, they had a lot of little messages uh, they posted on Twitter from like people involved, like Atase, the original director and now producer, and then Nomura, and this game's director, who's Naoki Hamaguchi. Um, he was the co-director of Remake Part 1, but now he's fully directing this thing. Um, but it's interesting the way they were talking about it, because a lot of the messaging was about like, hey, we've really figured out how to lay out this structure for production, and we're flying, baby. We're going so damn fast. Um, and Nomura even mentioned that like, technically we're also working on Part 3 at this point as well. So they seem to be doing everything they can at least to try and message that this thing's coming faster than you think please you won't be waiting too long and it is impressive like within three years of remake being released having part two that's definitely quicker than i thought i mean you got you got the sense playing remake that uh it's it's kind of weird because it was like you know on consoles but there is that thing of like when when various games come out you know when crisis came out it was like nothing could run it at its highest settings right like playing remake felt kind of like playing a game from three years in the future and yes. so it makes sense that like now they don't they don't have to remake those character models you know like they're done they they basically like did all their boring work and now they can just make levels and cutscenes for the new games i guess so yeah speaking of how good remake looks they also announced in this thing that uh final fantasy 7 remake which is a game that we like around these parts um that it's now available on steam and they even landed with this splash announcement, Kyle, of it's on the Steam Deck. We did it. I like the extra, extra like cool guy announcement juice that companies get now to be like, by the way, we're hip with the Steam Deck, everybody. Please enjoy. Um, you have one of those. Uh, and Intergrade is out on PC, which it yeah. was not previously. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, so it is a novel experience to boot up Final Fantasy VII Remake on the Steam Deck and place the thing in handheld. And it still just looks so damn good. And like that is certainly up there for openings of like modern games that I've played through over and over and over again. Cause it was like, okay, it was the demo at, uh, you know, trade shows. Then it was the demo that they released and then playing through it so many times here and then starting it up again and again, you got to check it out on PC, PS five. Um, and still it's so amazing that like the splash screen in Midgar, like the opening cinematic, when that 
name Final Fantasy VII comes up. Goosebumps every time. You think at some point it would wear off, but I played through that opening so many times, and every time it just slays me. Uh, it is uh, quite good, and it's weird playing that game with like Xbox prompts. You know, playing on the Steam Deck technically for like the controller buttons and stuff. You know. Um, but it, yeah, still no word on Xbox, right? No, it's really bizarre. I think everybody assumed it was going to be in this thing, but nope. Yeah. And uh, the next rebirth, they just say PS5 is all they're saying right now. So Phil Spencer was punching a hole through his hat the entire time. Um, speaking of punch a hole through a hat, um, do you think Keeley was, I mean, he must have been gunning hard for these reveals because it was Final Fantasy VII rebirth and then also dragon's dogma 2 was announced congratulations capcom fans um and then even like today sega announced hyenas which is a pvevp uh game from um creative assembly like the alien isolation team um and it's like all these announcements are happening now you think i don't know is it just not a lack of faith in summer game fest you think that keely couldn't land this stuff even like the sonic frontiers gameplay like keely didn't land that obviously he had a lot on his plate it was a good show overall but i'd imagine he was pushing for all these reveals to happen within the summer game fest umbrella i mean like last year he probably just had like other companies had they've had time to get their their you know stuff together now you know, where right. in previous years they're like, we thought there was going to be E3. There's not going to be E3. I don't know. We'll give it to Summer Games Fest. And now it's at the point where it's like they all know they can do press conferences and 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 host their own stuff. And like, I don't right. know what's involved in getting something in Summer Games Fest, but it's like, yeah, people people don't care where announcements come from. And so, you know, why why shouldn't Sega just do this on their own time? Yeah, I guess so. As long as you don't schedule your announcement like Dragon's Dogma 2 did to happen right at the same time as they announced the second part and reveal the first trailer for Final Fantasy VII Remake Part 2. Uh, of course, the rebirth. Um, Leo, are, are you doing okay, Betty? Are you doing okay with all this Final Fantasy VII talk? Yeah, when you said he punched a hole in his head, I wanted to make a joke about him turning it into a visor, but I was way too slow on it. So I wanted to circle back to that. Okay. Well, it's like you're writing in about a missed joke opportunity live on air. So I think it works out okay. Um, But for the specifics of this trailer, um, it's interesting just how they're leading. And they're very uh, particular with their trailers. It's very important. If you go back and look at the first ever trailer for Final Fantasy VII Remake, they were teasing a lot of stuff that is still ambiguous about where they're going in this series, right? Um, But the wording is it's Aerith talking about like yeah even if it's been written the future can be changed everybody so don't look to the past look to the future and then in this trailer they are flashing and i won't even spoil anything but they have flashes on the screen of like very important scenes from the original final fantasy 7 so it seems like they're hammering home that point even more that like you will not be able to predict what is going to happen here all the rules are off have fun everybody yeah i was i was scrambling to explain to again my, my partner who did not care but of just being sure. like no you don't understand like in the, in the <laughs> you don't get remake, it they were changing things <laughs> from like the and this is signaling that they're gonna change the biggest thing and it was like yeah they were really you know i they couldn't have been much more explicit about like we're talking about that scene um oh, when they were yeah. doing it or well, at least, at least, you know, that's kind of what they're bluffing talking about. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. And they have text on the screen where it's like, hey, will the planet survive? What will happen to the planet? And what is Sephiroth's endgame? Which seems to be the number one question uh, for like the 
you know, um, what's it called? Galaxy Brain version of Final Fantasy VII Remake theorizing is just like, what is Sephiroth doing and how? Um, so I love that they're kind of embracing that in a, in a subtle way. But then the part that is really interesting to me is uh, Katase, who's the original game's director and this game's producer, um, he had a message where in the Final Fantasy VII Remake Ultimania book, which we all know, we all have uh, above our fireplaces. Um, he said, quote, talking about the future, he says, we're not drastically changing the story and making it into something completely different than the original. Even though it's a remake, please assume the story of Final Fantasy VII will continue as Final Fantasy VII always has. Which is what he's saying about future entries, which seems to be counter to everything that it's too easy shorthand to say everything that Nomura is teasing and planning and some of the surprises in the original remake. Um, but it's weird to have him trying to message, no, 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 it's business as normal, everybody, please. It's Final Fantasy VII. But then everything that they're messaging as well is saying, this ain't your granddaddy's Final Fantasy VII. So I don't know what's happening with this thing. Um, Katase had another message. Um, he said, uh, this one's for Leo Vader, um, please. He says, quote, Making the middle part of a trilogy has its own challenges, but there are plenty of classic second installments in the world of film that are defined by stunning story twists and deeper explorations of their characters. Often these second installments become a favorite amongst the fans. So please, wait a little longer while we finish up which somehow makes it seem like it's coming even sooner when he says finish up. I, I, I love that that sort of Japanese politeness of like, thank you. And, you know, they'll end a statement with like, thank you. And please, like, stay tuned. We're working very hard. I really, I really appreciate you taking the time to read my quote. You know? We <laughs> totally. are making the Empire Strikes Back. Please just wait a little bit longer. That is exactly it. I mean, or it. the Dark Knight, if you prefer. You take whichever direction you want. That's interesting. We are making Attack of the Clones. Please. <laughs> <laughs> too fast, too furious. <laughs> I do think he's he's referencing Empire Strikes Back there. Like, he's Katasi's a big Star Wars fan. I mean, Biggs and Wedge or in all these Final Fantasy games. Um, and so that is an interesting note to leave it on. If he's directly comparing it to Empire Strikes Back, which would imply that this is going to be the darker final middle chapter, final scenes of the middle chapter. And so it's fun to try and figure out where could they stop this part of the remake? There's an obvious point, but then maybe there's a less obvious point that's more interesting. Um, certain crater, perhaps. Um, and then I saw on Reddit, and this is the last point, I swear, Leo, I swear this is the last point. Um, but there was somebody on Reddit who had a good theory talking about like, oh, it would make sense to have the DLC for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth be like a Vincent side story. Just like part one was a Yuffie side story because those are the two bonus characters. So I think thematically it would work. I would put money on that happening. Well, what's the PS2 game that stars Vincent? Dirge of Cerberus, the Dirty Dirge. That's okay. I, uh, yes. I'm, I apologize for not knowing uh, the titles and everything. But I mean, could they conceivably take the story of that and and put it in the 7 remake engine and uh, kind of retell that story in a new way? No, well, that takes place after the entire first game. And then also, they're going oh, to be okay. effectively remaking that game anyway with Ever Crisis on mobile, which, you know, should be interesting to see how they redo that story and all that stuff. But anyways, uh, Sean Rubin writes in and says, hey, we finally got a trailer and name reveal for the second part of the Final Fantasy VII remake project, Rebirth. Um, assuming the third part holds that pattern and begins with the letters R-E, what do you think the third entry will be called? My friend Luke from I Am 8-Bit had such a good answer to this that? that I think it's borderline a spoiler. Ooh, please. He said it's going to be called Reverse and it's going to be a time travel thing. Hmm. Going to be re-colon-verse? 
Mm, <laughs> I, I think hope. Resident Evil already claimed that. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> it's, that's, they bring in Leon. That's what about actually our RE engine. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's really good. I think there's a chance of that. Like everyone's saying, oh, it's of course going to be reunion. I thought it was going to be reunion, yeah, but it turns out, nope, they used that for Crisis Core, so it'd be weird to double up on that. I think my guess is Final Fantasy VII Renewal. Because they want to What leave if, it- in light of what we've heard just today, Return of the Jedi <laughs> or Returnal? Oh, uh, interesting. I do uh, think Final Fantasy VII Return. I think could be totally doable. Reawakening. Wait, singular. Yeah. Return. Not? Singular? Uh, so Ret- not not Batman Returns. Not returns, Batman Returns. Right? Absolutely okay. not Batman Returns. Yeah. Final Fantasy VII Respect. Well, it's also it's interesting because I mean the the bizarre thing that they've done is now the series that they're making is not called Final Fantasy VII Remake. That's only the first game. But Rebirth kind of works because it's another word that essentially means remake. Like, hey, we did the old game, we did it again. And so it's like, do they have to do another one that implies this is a remake of the old game? Or at that point, will people be so bought in that they can just call it, like, reloaded and no (laughs) one cares? How about, uh, oh, I just had it. Um... Uh, crap! I had one. Uh, revitalize Final Fantasy VII. Revitalize. I think there it'll. I think that'll be the note. Is something like optimistic? Something about okay? Now we're now we're truly planning and plotting the course for the future. This is all just Final Fantasy VII. Revengeance. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yes. Uh, there was also uh, some Final Fantasy 16 news, and this is you know you talk about it being kind of like a, a sub series of Final Fantasy. Now it's interesting seeing these two just like. Uh, I guess I'm sorry for being a dork for this stuff, but it's interesting seeing like the marketing beats kind of like juggling. Like, okay, Final Fantasy fans, this is your time for seven. This is your time for 16. Now we're back to seven. Now we're back to 16. Uh, but they had uh, more interviews going live today with Yoshi P, a bunch of outlets. Uh, got an interview with the producer for Final Fantasy 16. Um, Kyle, did you happen to see any of that fun stuff? Uh, I saw like there's a new trailer coming. In I the think, fall, which I thought was a strange said. headline, but honestly, like one that I was like interested in as someone who's curious about that game. I was like, you know what? I do want to know that they're working on a new trailer. What a weird news tidbit. <laughs> that works. Uh, yeah, so the, uh, a lot of stuff has been trickling out about this game. It turns out not open world. It's an open zone game. So just like Sonic Frontiers, um, contrary to what a lot of people were uh, worried about, um, there are going to be companions in this game and like party members, but they're not going to be playable. They're all going to be AI, which is going to be bizarre for a Final Fantasy mainline game here. Uh, something I love is the main character for 16, Clive. He's going to age throughout the game, so he starts out as a teenager, then he gets to his 30s, and then we all know uh, life stops after your 30s. Um, and then remember in the last trailer, they had those shots of like the summons fighting Kyle icons, yeah. I guess. Um, and they had like the health bar to look like a fighting game. And I was wondering like, what is going on here? What is this? It turns out that that was just one of the fights, but each fight between the summons in the game has like a different style. So in this Game Informer interview, Yoshi P says, uh, for example, maybe one icon versus icon battle. If you have icon A versus icon B, that battle will be reminiscent of a 3D shooter. Whereas another icon versus a different icon, it's more like a pro wrestling match. And then maybe even a third with one icon versus another icon will transform an entire arena into a battlefield. Hmm. So it seems like kind of you see set piece action scenes, which is pretty cool. I'm picturing the um, the the final uh, battle in Metal Gear Solid 4 where it's you and yes. Ocelot and like the health bars keep changing and the music keeps. 
That's our highest hopes for this thing. Um, so it seems cool. Yes, yeah, summer 2023 is all we really know about Final Fantasy 16 for when this thing's actually hitting all that stuff, but still very exciting. So September 2023. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Um, Kyle, what would you like to talk about, dude? If Let's you... see. What's our list? We got a lot of stuff. You want you want to do the um the the missed missed indie games from Summer Game Fest wholesome game show? <sighs> I do want to do that, keep, man. I'm gonna keep going up. I'm gonna keep going <laughs> up with this. I want to do that, but also I've been looking at Kyle and, I mean, Leo, I mean, whatever your names are, and Leo just, um, I feel like we need to throw him a bone, and he came into this show hot and heavy over a certain game to talk about, and I said, surely you're joking. This cannot possibly be where you're going with this, and he said, my God. Even for you, (laughs) this one seems bad. Leo, what game are you most excited to talk about today? (laughs) Of course, it's Roller Champions. Of course, it's Ubisoft's new free-to-play Roller Derby 3v3 game. The part that blows my mind about this, Leo, is we talked about this on the podcast before. To be fair, we played like a couple matches before we talked about it on the podcast. I think both of us had the conclusion of like, more solidly put together than you think. It seems interesting. I mean, good luck finding friends to get into this. But maybe if your friends are into it, you could be pushed over the edge. Um, and I'll have to go back and check the tape. I think I even asked if you would ever play it again, Leo. And I think at most you gave a shrug. I I think think what I said. Yeah. Was I was going to quote you, Leo. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay. I I, will correct me if I'm wrong. If my friends got into it, if I tried it with friends. Right. And then lo and behold, it happened. That's exactly what happened. And we've been having an amazing time. We've been playing ranked mode. We've been watching tips videos. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We've been really enjoying it. And of course, how much I like it with them drives me to, in the middle of the day, say, I should just play a match. And then I play by myself and it's like pointless. Like you should play with friends or not at all. It's a fine time. Okay. So what is this next level of roller champions that you're descending into? Like what, what's shining now that wasn't shining before? Um, this, The sheer sport of it, there's like so many last minute tackles that happen and such a variety of interactions that can happen. You know, like whether you're getting that three lapper five pointer to win in overtime, which is like the exact thing from the trailer of like, oh, we're down by four. But if we just take it for three laps and then score, we can win. Me and my friends did that exact thing in an (laughs) online match and it was incredible. But there's also like it just diving to get possession to end the match at the end. Yeah. Like there's a lot of really clutch moments in some nice short matches like it's a seven minute timer so they you're in and out pretty quick that is nice so i mean it is the emotions of rocket league it is the emotions of rocket league with what i would call a much less steep learning curve and kind of a flatter earth skill ceiling i guess it's like rocket league you can say like if you're doing a stream for min max and two people leave a ranked match at the end because the stream's over and one person can still win by like five points because they're that much better than the other team that's right you can't really do that in in roller champions there's like the best player can still get tackled by the worst player, you know? It's just the the matter of being in the right place at the right time and making the right decision. It's not like you can dance above everybody that much, at least not in the ranks I'm playing at. Yeah. It seems like the really high level, there is some of that, but it seems a lot lot more fair matches. We've never seemed like we're just getting completely stomped and it's a waste of our time like we have in, say, Siege or any other kind of competitive game. Right. Yeah, this game's out on everything now. It's even on Switch, free-to-play and all that stuff. What, um... Give me the breakdown. You don't have to give their names and social security numbers and stuff, but like, what was the situation? Just one of your friends said, 
yeah, I'm kind of interested in checking that out. Or, or were you the prophet? How did this trickle and seep into the circle? I was not the prophet. It was two of my friends who, yeah, this game's free and we've got nothing better to do. So let's try it. And they had a great time. And I said, OK, if you need a third, I can be that. And then lo and behold, we're inseparable. <laughs> we're forming an esports team. That's nice. Roller <laughs> champions. I mean, where we're looking for your games of the year. Is this thing climbing and climbing is like the multiplayer experience of the year for you? Or is it just a nice little diversion on a Tuesday? I think it'll be on there. I could easily see it in the... The lower five. Wow. Lower five. There it is. Wow. Roller champions, everybody. Wow. Wow. Uh, all right, Kyle, can we finally talk about some of these games from Summer Games Fest uh, that are cool? No, I had some more Final Fantasy VII thoughts to share <laughs> with you. Yeah. I <laughs> I do kind of want to have like a bonus spoiler the- theory episode about Final Fantasy VII Remake because there is just so many weird details and stuff. But you know what? We're going to be taking the deepest dive on that game. So we'll get to all the good stuff. But um, hey, Kyle, Summer Game Fest, we talked all about it, um, but did you find some some gems that maybe we haven't hit yet that we should talk about on this show? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot that we talked about. Did, I, did we talk about um, the Plucky Squire? We, we, we did not. One, right? We did we not. Did not. Yeah. Um, this might be my favorite trailer from Summer Game Fest. I think it would be. Um, the Plucky Squire, it's called. Devolver is publishing it, and the developer is called All Possible Futures, and it's an action-adventure game, but do you want to explain what, what is cool about it, Kyle? Yeah, so you're playing in a storybook, like Yoshi 64 style, <laughs> I guess you could say. Right? Sure. It's, a, it's not like a platformer like that. but uh, And it looks cool, right? It looks like you're in the storybook, the pages turn, it looks really cool, it looks great. And then, but then the thing that's really charming about the trailer is then like the, the little protagonist like hops out of the book and is uh, a little guy, big world, walking around a desk, and it just looks charming as hell. Like it yeah. just looks really cool. And yeah. it's like it's like it it turns from like oh you're playing in a book to like the Mario Odyssey things where it's like you jump on the wall and suddenly you're 2D but running across like a curved surface but it's like a coffee mug like it it, it it's a cool trailer because it spends like a minute of its 1 minute 20 seconds being like this is a game where you play in a book and then in the last 20 seconds is like actually you're playing all over this room yeah you're leaving the book and it's entering the third dimension you're gonna yeah roam around that mario odyssey is a good comparison like i was thinking of like oh it's kind of linked between worlds like going flat into the wall yeah. so like you can still go back into 2d stuff but yeah i think that mario odyssey might be a, a better comparison overall um and yeah so it seems like you you it seems like you star as this character named jot and then he's like kicked out of the book is like what their lore description says so i don't know if you're trying to get back into this 2d world but the art is incredible and it's uh, extra special. It is the um, art director, James Turner, who was at Game Freak for a long time working on the Pokemon series. So he was the Pokemon uh, art director for Pokemon Sword and Shield. Um, but he left Game Freak not too long ago. So this is his first big indie project. And the art is impeccable. Uh, follow James Turner on Twitter. You will not be disappointed with the amount of art that he cranks out. It's a lot of like Kirby fan art. <laughs> and stuff like this but it's cool just to see his art in this new environment especially in the 3d stuff it just looks awesome uh yeah so all they say is 2023 uh for this thing but it's definitely up there for my most anticipated for the plucky squire it seems quite cool yeah um hey jacob geller and uh hey leo vader hey um i genuinely don't know if you saw this but we did a reaction stream to this trailer and genuinely this was the most 
uh, jaw-dropping trailer I saw during All Summer Game Fest. Um, Skate Story? Did you see this thing? No. Is this the one... Um, I'm I'm Googling Please it. Please do. Look up yeah, a trailer the, to this. The, yep. Yes. It is ridiculous. Uh, developer's name is Sam Ang, who I'm not familiar with. He made one other game called Zarvat in 2018 that had zero reviews on Steam. So this is coming a little bit out of the blue, but Devolver's publishing it. It is a 3D skateboarding game, but the way they describe it is, quote, you are a demon in the underworld made out of glass and pain. The devil has given you a skateboard with a simple deal. Skate to the moon and swallow it and you shall be freed. Which sounds like a lot of nonsense, but just visually, it is ridiculous looking. Like, Leo, are your eyes witnessing this thing right now? <laughs> As we speak. What do you make of it? It looks amazing. It looks like great skating, yeah. but also they're destroying enemies at certain points. Yeah, and this is can't be confused with that other skateboarding game that they revealed, Kyle, in that episode you talked about it when you were hosting, where it's like Tony Hawk, but with guns, you know? Right, yeah. No, this this looks very, like, art, artistic, I guess, for lack of a better term. Like, it's really abstract. And that 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 sort of simple, you're made of glass and pain, and then watching <laughs> this, like, skateboarder who is essentially made of abstract glass, like, shattering on the ground. Yeah. It's fascinating and really interesting and cool. I don't know what the intent is with the name, so I won't judge it too much, but I feel like Ollie Ollie World could have been called Skate Story. Like, it yeah, does not yeah, yeah. evoke what it is by the title. But maybe they won't turn off people with its artsy fartsiness by just having a kind of vanilla name like Skate Story, but then you look at it, it's like, I mean, it, it feels like the, the name of the game should just be Look at This Thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> try not to game. buy this. <laughs> try not to buy this that's banned somewhat an indie dev should take that name for their game <laughs> try not to buy this smart uh yeah skate story everybody uh, check out the trailer if you haven't seen that but yeah 2023 is all they say for when that thing's actually hitting but uh jacob geller do you got uh, an indie game that uh, could use some more love here yeah one of mine is a game that i have actually played because it was a demo on the steam uh demo fest thing whatever it is the game metal hellsinger Ooh, which is yeah. um the it's strange because it's incredibly similar to a game that came out last year uh in that it is a first person shooter game with a metal soundtrack where you do all your actions in time to the music so it's kind of like um uh, why can I never remember the name of that game you know the the Crawler? dungeon crawler one that got turned into the Zelda one Oh, yeah, Cadence of Hyrule. Yeah, Cadence of Hyrule and whatever the original game of of that was called. Yeah. Yeah, Crypt of the Necrodancer, where it's like, you know, I guess your movement isn't in time, but it's like, yeah, your guns, you shoot in time, you reload in time, you melee in time, all of that. Um, And there was a game last year that came out with this almost exact concept called Bullets Per Minute that I uh, did not think was great. But Metal Hellsinger, for whatever reason, is just like pulling it off. Um, it looks, if you look at it, the, the art style is, is incredibly like modern doom. It's just kind of you're in hell and you're killing demons and, and there's even kind of like a glory kill system and stuff, but like the music is just really good. And I say that as someone who isn't really into metal and it has this great thing where when you get to the, the highest multiplier, which you do by like 
continuing to do things in time with the music like vocals kick in when you are kind of doing as best as you can awesome. uh, which is kind of a metal gear rising thing and so i already love that <laughs> but it's just like it just feels great to play like it's a it's a 20 minute demo and i played it twice because it was just like this is great and i want to do more of it yeah um, so it, it metal is, hellsinger is that game i like it it's weird because yeah there's this other game that was isometric and it's called soundfall that just released like yeah in may and it's an isometric game but it is also that same idea of ah uh, you can shoot but if you shoot on the beat you get extra kind of oomph and bonus and all that stuff and yeah it's fascinating too like if you want to go back into the history books uh when harmonics was developing a first person shooter that they announced called chroma that was with the developers of counter-strike go and that was that same idea of like oh it's a fps but if you shoot on the beat you get you do more damage and so i love that after harmonics was like eh, maybe not so much now these other indie teams are like yeah but shooting on the beat is pretty cool we should do something with it so it's nice to yeah see i really encourage um this is just it's free on steam like well the demo thing might be over i'm not sure I think when it might be yeah i don't know but um it's like it, it's just kind of immediately fun like it really it really feels like the tempo of actions that they got and what remains to be seen i guess is like how much they can kind of vary the metal and the gameplay and whatever because i think this is a linear game it seems so it's just you would play through a campaign and so if they can keep it fresh for the whole time uh but yeah this is it's jumped to the top of my kind of most anticipated games yeah metal hillslinger was that one uh leo did one stand out to you man uh i also played a bunch of demos i think the most interesting one was called maestro vr and it's a vr conducting of an orchestra i'm not gonna say game i'm gonna say simulator Uh uh-huh it's it's amazing how many tutorials there are in it you're basically you're moving your right controller pointing through the different circles right of the general kind of conducting thing conductors do and with your other hand you're pointing to different sections to first violin or whatever as the kind of guitar hero style sheet music comes in front of you of which instrument is what <laughs> and i didn't go through all the demos because or all the tutorials because there's so many of them and i just jumped to what an actual song looks like yeah and it was mind-boggling how not only in the full game are you jumping between like you know there's a hundred people in your orchestra right but you're also conducting with your right hand differently as it goes into like uh quieter parts pianissimo parts or forte parts that are louder like you have to fit you have to be hitting different circles that are further apart or closer together oh my god it's so wildly deep and i'm so glad they like went for the definitive version of that experience or whatever but like being in that (laughs) in that full song and just like turning around and apologizing to the audience (laughs) members of your orchestra are booing you yeah is it um is it like Guitar Hero in that when you hit the wrong notes, it's just kind of like clunk, clink, or is it like, can, <laughs> does it, does does the, like, could you kind of orchestrate in a way that would make the song sound different? It's do you get what I'm saying? Either you do it right or the band gets confused and that section like stops okay. playing entirely. It goes on strike. The musician's brows just get more and more furrowed. They're just like, <laughs> be better. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I never thought that that would be an experience in VR that we'd get to, but of course people are going to want to be maestros. Makes sense. Of course. Have uh, you heard of, um, I had to look it up, but there's this Wii game, Leo, Major Miners Majestic March. 
Did you ever play no. that? From the prep of the rapper creator? Oh, you would God. like you would conduct a, a parade, and uh, it was supposed to be terrible. So it sounds cool. To if me. you're interested in any way, yeah, you can check yeah, it out. Yeah, go check it out. You probably You've heard of Wii Music. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you have, I beg you to forget it, please, as somebody who recently played through that game. Oh, uh, uh, Leo, is this a Quest joint or is this like a Oculus? Uh, it was just no? a demo on, on Steam. Oh, it was, okay, okay. Because this, uh, this sounds really cool. I, like, I really want to try this. Um, yeah. Hey, Leo, there was a game that they showed during the Wholesome Games Direct. Um, and I guess it's out now. I don't, I'm curious if you played it. It's called The Last Clockwinder. Have you seen this in VR? No. The I last... have. I have a code for this. I haven't. Do you really? It yet, but I'm. I'm very excited to try it. Okay. Yeah. It seems uh, quite cool. You know, I'm not a huge VR guy. I don't even own a headset. But just in all of the games, which, by the way, the wholesome games direct secretly one of the highlights of kind of the E3 season. They just rapid fire through so many games. If you're just hungry for like new game ideas. Go watch those streams in the summer. You can watch the archive. You can see Sarah and I. No, I'm sorry. It was uh, Charles McGregor and I watching that uh, this year. But um, The Last Clockwinder, yeah, it's out now in VR. And the premise is, okay, you're a little robot and you're trying to get some fruit to another part of this building. But the awesome thing is you're turning yourself into like an automaton. Help me out, Jacob. There's a better way to describe this. But you're recording your actions. So you have to like toss the fruit to yourself so you record yourself tossing the fruit and then that's part of the quote-unquote like human machine and it'll always be there then you move then okay now in the part of the machine that catches the fruit and then alley-oops it to somebody else and then okay record that part and then move on so then by the end of these levels the house or the area is just filled with like hundreds of versions of yourself all creating this intricate machine just to as far as i can tell get fruit from one area to another (laughs) But it looks awesome. It it looks like that. the the thing in Fantasia when Mickey Mouse like makes all the brooms like carry water. Right. Like that's yes. the kind of because it's just it's like the yeah, the trailer is just like dozens of versions of you just like catching fruit and throwing <laughs> fruit and catching fruit. And it's like, yeah, it looks I mean it looks dizzyingly complicated and i am excited to play it to see if like oftentimes things that seem complicated once you get in vr they're actually easier to do than you would think but yeah i'm i'm really excited to try it yeah last last clockwinder is the name of that thing um well, also, real quick i just because i looked it up because i was curious I'm yeah sure others are too. maestro vr uh it, it is coming to quest too when it comes out so that's that's cool oh nice Great. uh real quick there's a game that i'm very excited about um called melatonin which they showed during the Wholesome Games Direct. It was like the big closer for that, and they also had a uh, demo on Steam for Steam Next Fest and all that stuff. It is uh, Indie Rhythm Heaven. Kyle, I know you love Ooh. Rhythm Heaven. Um, yeah. So if you ever played those Nintendo um, rhythm games, very strict rhythm games, I guess is the best way to describe those experiences, but I love those games. That's true. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Post for your friends. Um, so uh, melatonin is the name of this one. Uh, it has a great art style. It's all pastel colors. It looks amazing. Um, and it's coming out on PC and Switch. Um, so it'll be cool for the Switch to finally have a Rhythm Heaven game. Because it's isn't it wild that there's not one on there yet, Kyle? Yeah. I mean, I actually broke out the 3DS version as recently as like six months ago or something. Like, Because really? it's just one of those games that's just like go play a couple songs for a little while and I, I showed my daughter the, the one we were just making a joke about where you're interviewing the wrestler and stuff it's so fun just whatever you do don't show her the I'm a lady now song 
Thematically, oh, no, it's no, we listen to that one a lot. We like that one. <laughs> it's the catchiest song on planet yeah. Earth. Please be warned. Anyways, but melatonin. Um, it's cool to have just an indie take on this. And it took a while, like the first uh, little mini game within that demo. I was like, I don't know. I think there's some magic to Rhythm Heaven where it's tough to train. It's tough for those games to, I don't know. It feels like there might be more of a magic to Rhythm Heaven that I gave it credit for, for just like conveying in such a clear way exactly when you need to press the button. Um, and this one is a little bit messy, but then some of the later demos and, and stuff and later levels of melatonin in the demo, at least, it seems like it kind of picked up the slack. And I said, like, okay, I do have hope for this overall sense of game design for an indie take on Rhythm Heaven. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, something that's very near and dear to my heart where it's something like Rhythm Heaven, but then it's all in kind of, it's all about just telling the story of one person's life and their experiences. And so I'm very curious, strangely enough, like what they do with the story in this. And if all of these little rhythm heaven experiences are going to be building to a larger picture of what this person's life is like. So yeah, I'm very interested in melatonin. It's coming out September, 2022. Uh, anybody else got one that they're excited about? Uh, we could rapid fire some like yeah. Planet of Lana is was announced, but they showed some more of it. Still looks great, kind of play dead inspired, which is like you know the magic words for me. Um, there was they announced this like Kickstarter called uh, Little Nemo and the Guardians of Slumberland. Oh, like a throwback this, to old Little Nemo, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just this great like two D looks hand drawn, kind of animated. But then the re- other really exciting thing is it's uh, one of the members of Anamanaguchi is doing the soundtrack. Oh, that's right. Which is like. That's fantastic. They've only done a handful of soundtracks, and they're always, like, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I have listened to the Scott Pilgrim game soundtrack so much more than I've actually played that game. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Uh, there's one called Breeze in the Clouds, um, which is an action-adventure game. It looks almost like a brawler. It has, like, a cuphead feel, and that's like, okay, gameplay seems kind of simple, but the art is just so incredible, and you play as a little corgi dog who has the power of all weather. So it's like going around in these fights and like using clouds and hail and stuff. But yeah, breeze in the clouds. The art seems fantastic in that one. Um, Hey, Leo, did you see or do you know anything about what was shown at the PC gaming show, which is a tactical breach wizards? Do you know this thing? That's the heat signature guy. Yeah. Yeah. They showed a new trailer. I know you're all in on gunpoint and heat signature, but have you been following this thing? Oh, vaguely. I mean, I follow him on Twitter and see updates every now and again. Okay. I didn't know there's a new trailer. Yeah, it seems uh, it seems quite up your alley, Leo. It's like an XCOM, but with wizard powers, and then also much more about breaching, so it's much more Rainbow Six Siege-inspired. Um, I need you to really love this one, and if you don't, I won't have any faith in humanity or game developers in general. Yeah, I mean, okay. it sounds like they're making it for you, Leo, so you need to be there and support it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, XCOM Chimera Squad had a similar breach phase. That's right. A stressing of that, and it, that worked great. That was a really fun mechanic. Yeah, for sure. But Tactical Breach Wizards is the name of that thing. Uh, let's see. Oh, Kyle, did you see Agent 64? My, I, I think I did a demo of that one. Yo, did you? What did you think of that, Leo? Cool. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a throwback to GoldenEye and whatnot, and it is oh. amazing how well achieved that like that weird feeling of the gun kind of leading yes the way you're aiming like going ahead of your head turning and it's shooting not exactly in the center of the screen at all times it's weird going back to that feeling and experiencing that on mouse and keyboard like never had the chance to do that before right right yeah it's weird it's like a love letter to like the campaign of GoldenEye. um but if you haven't seen this thing in action you should check it out it's called agent 64 I- spies never die I do remember this now because they have, they did a really, they have 
they really nailed the legally distinct Bond music. Like, it's so totally. close, but not quite. But it's, like, unmistakably Bond, but, like... Put that in front of a jury. They're like, no, no, that's that's not Bond. That that count. That's you guys nailed it. Grant Kirkhope is just twitching, like, oh, you're so close to me, but not quite. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's it's fun. To, I, I love it too. Like that legally distinct. It's it's a nice fu to the Bond estate that hey, we can legally call our game Agent Sixty Four. You know exactly what we're getting at, but come at us, lawyers. I dare you. I am excited for. Uh, there's this thing called the Last Worker. Um, which I, there there are trailers for it before, but they showed more of it here, which is essentially like you're working in a very thinly veiled like future Amazon plant. And like you're you're a guy and kind of your whole job is just like moving boxes from place to place. And there's stuff kind of like, you know, you're peeing in bottles and you're doing other stuff. But it just oh. seems like a kind of weird, creepy uh narrative adventure it has uh jason isaacs in it who is most known as being lucius malfoy in harry potter and what? zelda williams uh what? bizarrely so it's a, i don't know it's, it's i don't think it's like annapurna but it kind of has that like we've got movie people um <laughs> there's um, the new jacob, the new it, sam barlow game jacob will that game be playable on amazon luna it's that i'm hoping <laughs> okay good um did you see the new sam barlow game no immortality uh is is the new game by sam barlow which is kind of his thing again where it's a bunch of fmvs but the big trailer thing says like uh search by match cut or something where it's like you it showed like you know you're zooming in on like a woman's face in a particular expression and then it like cuts to another scene where another woman has her face kind of in the same expression, but in a different thing. So it it seems like her story and that you're kind of searching like a video archive for stuff, but right. with a, with a different method of doing it. That's interesting. I uh, I was all in on her story and telling lies. I, I kind of bounced off of. Did you enjoy telling lies, Jacob Geller? It, no, telling okay. lies did that. I, I I think it was just kind of like. We're really trying to figure out this genre, and sometimes you don't figure it out. Where it was like, they had like really long video clips, and I think their idea was that you wouldn't rewind to watch them from the beginning, but all you wanted to do was like rewind to watch them from the beginning. So it was, uh, I, yeah, I, I also did not like that, but in the who knows? Um, we'll see in the parlance of uh blank check games that don't exist near the top of that list is the time that sam barlow made the war games video game <laughs> that, do you remember that God. he made a war games game that uh was released and it was not great but technically it came out and it was also in that style um uh, my my last one yeah. is I, and we talked about this during the xbox showcase but the last case of benedict fox right. which is just kind of like a side-scrolling maybe metroidvania something but it just looks like one of those just kind of like a a four-hour narrative side scroller that's going to be good the whole time yep exactly um yeah there's another game that is getting a fair amount of uh, love out there but uh there was a demo for steam next fest cult of the lamb it's another devolver joint like by the way leo did you watch the devolver showcase this year i didn't watch a single conference this year that's an interesting strategy. You were on vacation. That's fine. Um, it was. It, it was very good. I feel like when they first started doing those like jokey 
fake press conferences with Devolver. I was like, okay, sure, you got a lot of blood jokes. That, that seems all right. At least you're going for it. And they've just been honing their craft to the point now that it, like, this year's presentation was fantastic. And it was all just this larger parody about the gaming singularity where companies will just keep buying each other until they come down to one single <laughs> entity. And what if they are that entity? And like Suda51 comes out as like a mech. Um, and they only showed like five trailers throughout the half hour presentation but it was still like engaging the entire time and the chat was just because we had a live stream's reaction to it and the chat was just eating up like oh i'm so in on devolver i love these i love devolver and it's like it is really working for their brand in a really beautiful way uh but the point is i I found last year's like near unwatchable so i (laughs) made the call to not watch this one but maybe maybe it's good look last year i think they showed zero trailers yeah so it was just a big guy jerking himself off motion uh but you know maybe this one was that in a good way (laughs) yeah it was exactly that but in a beautiful beautiful kind of way um but yeah they they showed a cult of the lamb which is a, a big game that they they have coming out that i played the demo of i don't know if anybody else played that demo me too oh did you and it was like started out it's like okay it's kind of like a roguelike feels a little bit like hades but not quite as tight this seems fine but then the part where it really got me was there's the other layer where it's all about indoctrinating new people into your cult and then you have them you assign them tasks and they're like building up this base and collecting resources um and you can like name them and customize them in a way or it's like okay this game is doing enough interesting new stuff where it won me over by the end of the demo but yeah what do you think of cult of the lamb leo yeah, it was cool. Simple combat, but really punchy and fast and felt good. But yeah, I'm with you on the meta game. Like the idea of building your cult and the assigning of tasks is really simple and fun. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing that thing when it comes out, I think, later this year for Cult of the Lamb. Um, let's see. We're, we have too many games here, everybody. Real quick shout out. Um, the Capcom Fighting Collection is out June 24th. It's $40, a little bit steep for a lot of old uh, Capcom fighting games, but I'm sorry, you need to buy this to help support Darkstalkers and let Capcom know that people do, in fact, like Darkstalkers because every version of Darkstalkers is in here and it's an awesome fighting game with amazing animation if you've never seen it. Um, But the real star of this show um, is it is now a modern way to play Puzzle Fighter. They have Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo in this sucker, and if you've never played that game, please do. Uh, Like, if you enjoy especially in the local multiplayer any form of like competitive puzzle game if you're a sucker for like competitive tetris please check out puzzle fighter if you've never played it i understand it was big in the 90s and i'm sure some people were like yeah of course it's puzzle fighter it's obvious but i think there's a huge section of people maybe it's because i used to be one of them that looked past puzzle fighter and now it is genuinely one of my favorite competitive multiplayer games so uh, it's on the switch it's absolutely everywhere and so it seems solid and they have like a museum with like cool old design docs for all these games like early design sketches of puzzle fighter and stuff in it so it's buried within the capcom fighting collection if you're interested in such a thing kyle have you ever played puzzle fighter yeah uh live arcade is mostly where i played it xbox oh, yeah live arcade. yeah you can still get it on xbox yeah 360 i guess and i think it's still backwards compatible in that weird way if you want to find it that way but you know what that game's still good um hey kyle real quick uh you want to talk about point po point p handsome. uh point p please forgive me it deserves okay okay um this is the new netflix joint yeah so you it's weird because like you if you have a netflix subscription you can go download it you pull up netflix on your phone and there's like a game section and point piece in there uh so i guess my understanding you can get it through the app store but i guess you do need a netflix account which is 
strange. But um, it's from the creator of Downwell, whose name is escaping me right now. Um, but he he made Downwell, and then he actually went to work for Nintendo for a long time, which is oh, like weird. something I found out. He has credits on Ring Fit Adventure. Um, huh. Like he, I guess he worked on some of the mini games and stuff. But he left. Um, I don't know, a year or two ago, and he was has been working on Point P, which is almost like reverse downwell, if you want to simplify it. Like it's like you're you're a character working your way up um a well. <laughs> I'm listening. And, uh, yeah. It's I I really like it a lot. I, I actually like hit the level cap last night and like kinda I guess you could say I beat it, but it's it's an endless game. Like you can kind of play it forever. And uh, it, what it does that I like about it is, like, there's this action that we all do on our phones a lot, which is just kind of swipe downward, you know, whether you're reloading Twitter or something like that. And it kind of gamifies that because you're sort of slingshotting of this little dragon character upward and bouncing off walls and collecting fruit to feed this this beast at the bottom of the screen. If you don't feed it, it, like, shoots fire at you and it kills you and then you start over. But if you can, like, make these fruit recipes and keep feeding the beast, then you can make your way to the top. And it's just... It's one of those games that's just like really slick. It's just a very simple action of like flicking this little character upward yeah. and you can get all these combos. If you hit an enemy, you get an extra jump. Like at the, the point that I'm in the game, I can jump like 10 times in a row without having to touch the ground. And it's just really cool. It's really fun. It kind of has sort of a, like a Kirby sort of vibe to it in terms of like the way it looks. And also like the the thing that Kirby quietly does, which is like, I think I'm the bad guy in this game. I'm not sure because like destroying. you'll land on an enemy and steal their fruit, and the and the enemy is just like will sort of pout and then just start crying because like you stole their <laughs> fruit. And uh, I just I really recommend it. I really yeah. like it. It's a it's it's like it's that type of mobile game that I really enjoy. Where it's like you can like kind of like um what was the puzzle game that I love so much on Apple Arcade? I, I the, the Grindstone. Oh, it's sort of like yeah, it's yeah. not like Grindstone, but it's in. Well, we'll never know what he was trying to say, but point P, everybody, P O I N P Y. While Kyle uh, is having extreme technical difficulties, um, it's like this was a weird sign of the changing times in the game industry. It's just like you know, Kyle's recommending this game, and then to actually like go into Netflix on my phone. It, I didn't have that games tab, so I had to search for it, and then it brought me to download it. Then it was a whole separate thing, and then I had to like go in there, and then booting up the separate app for Point P. Then it said, "Now put in your Netflix password." And I have no idea what my Netflix password. I just I think it's like my wife's family's Netflix account. So it's like, oh, I guess I can't play this game because I don't know my <laughs> mother-in-law's Netflix password. I guess I'll pass on this thing overall. Well, it's your loss. All right, I bet I bet Point P is great. I'm curious to see how that whole Netflix games rollout goes. Yeah, um, it's it's a weird thing. I'm kind of optimistic about it, though. All right, there you go. It's um, like here, real quick, just to plug it. Like, yeah, they're 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 publishing a lot of games on it that have like already existed. Like Spiritfarer is coming yeah. to the platform. So if you have a Netflix subscription, you can play Spiritfarer on your phone without any ads or microtransactions or anything like that. That's really bizarre. Like, That's cool. Um, don't they also? Isn't Netflix? publishing Oxenfree 2? They own Night Dive Studios now, yeah. Or Night School Studios? Because that I, Oxenfree 2 got a trailer, uh, though pretty short. Um, oh, really? In in the summer. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks nice. It looks like Oxenfree. But yeah, it's like, I don't know if you'll be able to play that game on your TV or whatever. Yeah, it's going to be yeah, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and we do have to take all of Kyle's mobile game recommendations now because he's the mobile games editor at GameSpot, which is a prestigious title. Yeah. All I care about is mobile games now. It's That's right. My, 
That's all I do. <laughs> Just all like Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes, everybody. The new Musou game from Nintendo that Kyle reviewed for GameSpot. <laughs> yeah, my first GameSpot review. That's funny. I will have, like, my next two reviews will definitely be mobile, I promise. Um, um, but this thing, this is the Musou game. This is the second Fire Emblem Musou game? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the, the big thing, like... Sort of like the original Hyrule Warriors was kind of like, we're going to get all the Zelda characters and throw them in a game. It's just like, you know, like just an excuse to play as the Gorons or just an excuse to play as Skull Kid. Like the story doesn't really matter. And then Age of Calamity actually has a functional story and kind of focused it down to just be sort of focused on Breath of the Wild. Yeah. That's sort of what happened here. Like Fire Emblem Warriors was like more larger Fire Emblem umbrella of characters where this is kind of like it's an alternate telling of three houses in a weird way. Oh, it's, weird. Yeah, like you like Byleth is who you played as in Three Houses, and Byleth is actually the antagonist in Three Hopes, and you play as like a new character that's like messing up the timeline. But the thing that's the thing that's cool about it is like the Muso stuff is is pretty typical. It's not too different than um, what's been there before. I actually liked Age of Calamity's sort of changes that were made more. This feels more like going back to traditional Muso, where Age of Calamity had a couple interesting things in it. But um, all the stuff that happens between matches is, like, taken from uh, Three Houses. Oh, so you're, weird. like, talking with everyone, you're leveling up your relationships, which makes them stronger, and you can go on dates, you can upgrade your facilities and stuff like that. Like, you spend almost as much time in your base camp just sort of walking around and talking to people and cooking and taking care of horses as you do doing the Muso fighting, which I think is cool. Like, I actually, I enjoyed that part of it. Yeah, um, so of course, GameSpot's review scale, you give it a 7? That's right, 7. There we go! That's on Switch! Um, and also, if you are interested in this, you're probably interested in Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Um, we're not going to talk about it on this podcast, I swear. Uh, but Kelsey Lewin and I did a reaction stream uh, just this morning, so you can find it on our YouTube channel if you want to see us react to the big Nintendo Direct today, uh, specifically just for Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Um, but if you're interested in that type of thing, you can check it out there. Which is, that game's coming out soon. Uh, July 29th, I think. So it's coming up fast, everybody. And it's going to be a big one. Um, hey, Kyle, do you want to go um, work on your internet connection in your own time? I guess so. Can I throw out some Air Twister knowledge real quick? More mobile games? How say you, Jacob and Leo? How Air Twister is it? It's <laughs> twisted, man. It is twisted. <laughs> yeah, what is this weird thing? It's Yu Suzuki's new game. It's like the Shenmue creator's new game. And it's like, it's it's one of those games that just feels like a weird dream. Like there's one level where you're like, it's kind of like a Panzer Dragoon or even like Star Fox, where you're like just flying and shooting on rails. Oh, oh wait, is this the one that you tweeted with the like queen, not the not queen yeah. theme song? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's this Dutch group called Valencia, which I guess has been around for a long time. And uh, it, it the soundtrack is unlike anything I've ever heard before. It sounds like queen. It's insane. And uh, I actually, I did, I talked to you Suzuki about it a little bit last night, which was exciting. Ooh, interesting. And it was a lot of questions of from me of just seeing like, this game is bizarre and strange. Is that what you're going for? And he was just kind of like, I don't know. I, this is, I've been wanting to make this for years. I, I didn't mean for it to feel like a fever dream, but uh, that's how it came out. <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of fever dream, I mean, you know the heritage here. Like, have you seen Space Harrier? You Suzuki's old game? Yeah, I, I asked Suzuki about Space Harrier and okay. he, and he was, I mean, his response was almost like that of surprise of like, no, I, 
This is has nothing to do with space here. He said it has <laughs> nothing to do with space. It looks just yeah. Like he was it. like he's like, look, I made space Harrier, and that's the technology I had at the time. But I I wanted to do another weird fantasy space shooter, and this is the technology that was available to me now. So this is what it looks like. But it's it's a character flying through the air, holding a gun, shooting out in front of them. So I don't I I, I don't know why he didn't draw lines there, but they totally exist. It makes me happy to see the idea of Apple. You know, they named this whole thing Apple Arcade. I love the idea of them like really leaning into it and being like, okay, let's actually reach out to some original developers of some of the greatest arcade games of all time, like Yu Suzuki, and see what he wants to make. And it turns out he wants to make another game that would feel, I mean, surreal, but kind of at home oh, yeah. in a modern arcade, you know? Yeah, big time. I mean, and it's funny because like I thought, I was like, oh, this must be a smaller project for him. But when you start playing it, you actually unlock like descriptions of the story. And there's a lot of lore that he has developed for this game about, <laughs> oh, like, a boy. princess who, you know, was really good at this sport on this alien planet and now has to protect it from these creatures that have come out of a white hole as opposed to a black hole. Oh. And uh, and I, I asked him, I was like, you just can't help yourself, right? Like, this, you just have to write these sort of big in-depth stories. You can't just make, like, an arcade sort of bizarre thing that simple anymore. And his, and his response was kind of like, yeah, I, I just, I can't help myself. Like, I have to... To build the universe to a certain degree. I look forward to Air Twister and the Kickstarter for Air Twister 3 and all that fun stuff. Right. That's yeah, it's fun. a Friday. I think this Friday on Apple Arcade is when it comes out. Sweet. Uh, okay, Kyle. Uh, Janet is waiting in the wings. Um, she's waiting okay. on her own uh, magical swan flying through the skies. Uh, you want to clap out there, dude? Yeah, tell Janet I said sorry. Okay, bye. Janet Garcia. Hi. Hi. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, I haven't been here in like ages. People it's been probably a lifetime. thought I was fired. But well, there I were wasn't. like there were weird comments. I saw a couple people being like, "Where is Janet? Like, what is happening?" It's always that reminder of like, "Oh yeah, I guess it has been a while." But I guess with like a rotating cast, this kind of thing can happen. Plus, like you had like a wedding that you were attending yeah. the same time I was having mine, so that kind of took us out of commission for a while. Yeah, you got married. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep, I uh, I went with that that wife um, that we were talking about earlier. I decided to lock it down <laughs> on that one. Sounds good. Congratulations. Hey, thanks. Oh, What's it like while you're married? What's it like what? What's gaming like now that you're married? I gotta tell you, maybe um, you're used to this, but it genuinely is a game changer for a smaller reason than you'd think, which is um, once I get back from my honeymoon, I picked up a controller for the first time. I was like, what is this crap? Like, my ring is just banging on this plastic because I've never worn jewelry before and I had not factored in that like, oh, it, you can feel the ring against the controller now, which is really... I know. Do you wear a lot of jewelry, Janet? Not really. So I don't know if I wear a lot of jewelry when I play games, but also like how much is it like the ring from Lord of the Rings? It's actually pretty similar. It's um, I've mm-hmm. thrown into fire a couple times. Um, her vows to me were keep it secret, keep it safe. So I think it kind of works out pretty so well. So romantic. You're doing a really bad job of that, I have to say, talking about it on a podcast. Oh, crap! Uh, look, everybody makes that same mistake. Sam would have podcasted if he could have, dude. Uh, Janet, I'm so glad you're here. Um, how was your Summer Game Fest season? Was it relaxing, or were you like catching up on stuff after the fact? No, it wasn't relaxing. It was oh. stressful, because um, I was my brother's best man for his wedding, so I had a lot of things to do. Um, and we're like, we're going to spend some time and hang out and relax the day before and the day of, and then we're like, we're not going to have much time. He's like, I have time for exactly one 
round of Mario Kart. So we played one really bad round of Mario Kart. And then he's like, okay, I really got to get dressed now. And then I was like, we should have sent these shirts down to get ironed. Yeah. We didn't. So now now I got to iron. And I'm like, I'm not good at ironing. And then like when his groomsmen came in, he was like, oh, I, I'm good at ironing. I'm like, I would like you to iron this now. You're now ironing everyone's shirts for the next <laughs> 30 minutes. But it was a beautiful ceremony. Um, I saw, I walked in on... Um, for Games Fest stuff, because my brother had it pulled up in the hotel room um, when Kojima showed up for Xbox. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. I walked in at that exact moment and I was like, oh, snap, Kojima's here. That's crazy. <laughs> and then that was kind of it. I did see uh, Keeley's um, Pillar show and that's kind of it. Everything else was sort of random internet musings but yeah. yeah it's nice it's nice to have things weirdly inverted for the perspective of like even being on my being on my honeymoon and just being off the phone for the entire day and then just having those moments of catching up at night like oh what has the internet been letting themselves on fire about today okay interesting giant bomb news eh okay this is interesting i'm um, sorry greg called you <laughs> oh yeah what the hell was that was the, that was greg that's how greg is it was the first day of my honeymoon and we were like in Anchorage about to journey out of town into the wilderness for our honeymoon. And I was like in the parking lot walking to go buy supplies and like bear spray and all this stuff. And then see that I had a missed call from Greg Miller. I was like, what uh-huh. is this? And I'm still confused. It was something about asking permission for you to wear a t-shirt. It was the most says, confusing uh, thing. Use the Epic creator code. Kind of funny. Okay, well, like look, one of the we'll, ad reads we'll, we we'll, we'll be bleeping that out. Yeah. Well, he, that's what he was called anyway, but it was so funny. Cause like people were like, no, no, Greg, don't call him. He's on his honeymoon. And he's like, you're on the phone. Yeah, like, Greg's crazy. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, Dad, you're embarrassing me. Like, can, <laughs> why do we have to do this every show? But that's no. Greg. He's like, if I call you, it's the daytime. I'm calling you all on a show. If yeah. I call you and it's past the daytime, something awful has happened. Like, I, those are the two calls you get. So check the clock when I, Greg's on the phone. It was flattering, even if it was confusing. Like, I like, I like the audacity of everybody else in my life was like, Especially Leo. It's like, you you need to check out. Don't think about MinMax. Don't think about anything. Don't think about podcasting. Please go enjoy, enjoy Alaska. Have a good time. And then to have like the flips of that be Greg Miller, the one time he's called me on the phone is on my honeymoon. Uh, anyways, hey. one thing Greg has. It's the audacity. That's right. That's right. All right. Let's finally get to the, the big new hotness. This game called Neon White. Ooh, Jacob Geller's excited for this one. Okay, this is confusingly. This is from Ben Esposito who, of course, you might know from Donut County, um, the lovable little game um, that was a bit like Katamari. And then this game, his follow-up game, is about as far away from that as you can possibly get. Jacob Geller, correct me if I'm wrong. Let's describe what this is. Um, It is a speedrunning-focused, first-person parkour uh, visual novel? (laughs) Uh, also deck builder also deck builder that's the other ingredient um yeah so you're getting cards as you're running around each card has different abilities by discarding or using them as you're going through a series of 100 levels more or less yeah more or less uh trying to get the tightest and tightest run possible um the twist in this conversation is good lord it's actually quite good uh neon white this whole thing uh look I don't think it's a twist. From the second I saw the first trailer for this game, I was like, this looks incredible. And uh, yes, it is. Yeah, they described it in a good way in the trailers by saying it's for freaks by freaks because it's a very specific thing. If you're into this, you are very into the tone of this. 
And so I was expecting it to not be my jam, but I think the on-ramp is a lot smoother than I was expecting, and I've really actually been enjoying this thing. Uh, Leo and Janet, you've been playing, right? I only played yes. like an hour. It hasn't fully gotten its teeth into me yet. Really, Leo? What's wrong with you? I, I played the demo, and I've coming off of that, I said, I won't be listening to a single line of dialogue in this game. And I've been continuing to do that, but I don't know. It's preventing me from fully, fully committing. Really? Uh, Janet, what's your experience so far? Um, I absolutely loved it from the jump, but then I ended up not totally where Leo is, but I do uh, feel like the story is not of interest to me at this point. I like the general concept, and I think it's always fun when people play with, um, you know, adaptations of how can they portray hell. But I just don't like how anime it is. Um, and everyone's like, well, you're not going to like it because you don't like anime. And I'm like, yes, yep. but... I don't know. We'll see. Maybe it, they have a lot of interesting systems in the world building. So I want to keep a bit of an open mind, but I think I might just spam through the dialogue. But the gameplay is absolutely incredible. And the second, literally the from the first level, I was like, you know, you got that friend leaderboard. I'm, I'm playing on Switch and I'm like, I got it. I got to run it back. I got to see if I can like yeah. beat these times that are on here. And that's also really slowing my progress. So I played like two hours, but I only got barely to... Um, I guess sort of heaven, right? Kind of or whatever. So I'm like pretty early on um, because I just keep replaying the levels because they're really, really fun. And I think it creates such a good competitive loop, um, even from someone like me who isn't inherently that competitive. But yeah, I, I'm totally with you. I had that situation too where like, and the game does a good job of like, okay, yeah, you go through 10 levels and then it moves you on a little bit, but then it's like, hey, you can go back and probably get tighter times and all those if you haven't hit a certain rank early on in the game. And then it's that first time I was like, oh, I have to replay these levels? How fun could that be? But then that's really when you start to realize like, okay, first of all, I was missing so much and wasn't even surveying and understanding my environment and figuring out how I can chain from this over to here and then kill this demon down here and then go over this way, use this ability here. And then also combined with, okay, now I'm looking at Dan Reichert's and Anna's score in the leaderboard on Steam, and I think I can take those. I, it was no problem taking Leo's, but it's fun to get competitive in that way, and like, competitive speedrunning is about the furthest you could get from my gaming sensibilities, but this game just eases you in in such a beautiful way. Um, Jacob Keller, are you more of a gameplay or story guy so far for this thing? Uh, look, I mean, I, I'm both, but I'm a story defender. Like, Ooh, I like I, it. I have... I have 100%ed the game. I have done not everything in it, actually, because you unlock some like really hard end challenges. But I've aced every level and I've found every gift and I did not skip through any of the dialogue because I think it's good. Yeah, it's it's, it's you're totally right. It's very anime. I mean, the main character is Steve Bloom, who's Spike from Cowboy Bebop and a thousand other voices and stuff. But um, is it just because you like anime that you enjoyed the story there? Is that the sole reason? I, I don't know. I mean, it's just it's... I mean, it's like most video game stories are kind of nonsense. I, I feel like this one is maybe getting more hate, maybe yeah. because the gameplay is so fun that you want to get back to it immediately. And there right. is a lot of dialogue in this thing. Um, but like, I think I think the characters are generally like pretty funny and well written. And it is I mean, it's like the thing is the game is cringe because like emo is cringe but like that's the <laughs> point you know it's like it's not i don't know it it seems i think the game is more self-aware about kind of like the aesthetic that it's doing than yes it necessarily gets credit for and it's like i i get if that's not your thing and i think it's fine to just skip through the cutscenes. and i mean it's like that fast forward button is there the whole time like you know it's not 
it's not begging you to see them. Um, but part of 100%ing the game is in each level, there are kind of there are two big goals. One is do it as fast as possible. And the other is find the hidden gift in each level, which is like basically a secondary series of usually platforming challenges within the same environment. Uh, and when you unlock the gifts, you can give those to like the various characters and they unlock both new dialogue and new side quests, which are actual like more missions in the game. And those side quests are some of the most fun content. And so you know, you're getting more dialogue, which I like, but you're also getting more gameplay, which everyone else likes. Um, it's just the best. I like I, I really, really like this game. Yeah, it's it is amazing just how quickly you can get into the flow of it. And it is so satisfying to have that moment even early on. It's like, OK, it's so satisfying to like discard this gun to get the second boost or get this ability, shoot that bomb to launch you over here and just how absurdly quick it is. And it's it's on Steam and Switch. I've been playing with mouse and keyboard. I can't imagine not playing with Ooh. mouse and keyboard. Oh, no, I hate that. Oh, Re God. It if feels I, like I a mouse and keyboard game. Shooter. What are you talking about? <laughs> nothing with. No, God, I play nothing with mouse and keyboard unless it's like a point and click. Or, so yeah. I, I played with control. I'm playing with a pro controller. Uh, it feels fantastic. It does? Um, okay. And it looks and runs well. Like, I imagine it looks nicer on PC because everything looks nicer on PC. But um, yeah, yeah, no. It's, it's good um, on Switch. Yeah, okay. And also, it like it looks like a the best Dreamcast game. So it's like it's not going yeah, for it's not realism. exactly. It's not exactly the most like intensive product ever. And you know, it's funny to because I guess it is a first person shooter because inherently you are shooting and it's in first person. But I this I don't know. It's a weird. It's a it's a weird game. Like I think if you like a good flow to a level you will enjoy it because i'm someone that really loves um like platformers and i love um how super meat boy and celeste both nail difficulty by giving you brevity within that difficulty like that's my favorite way for difficulty to be packaged and i think neon white does that really well but it also does the thing where the, the inherent completion isn't too challenging just to get from point A to point B. Like the challenge is in optimizing that run and it's short enough that you want to optimize it. Um, like it makes getting in and starting restarting a level super easy. Um, and I find that really satisfying. I also like that it moves slower than I expected. Um, hmm. I can't comment on people that like, are you guys like prone to getting like motion sick or nauseous from games at all? Oh, I very much am. And I actually, maybe I haven't been playing long enough yet, but it hasn't hit me yet, which is surprising. Because yeah. even like Metal Hellsinger, I had to stop playing that demo because I got sick. So I don't know. Yeah, um, I think I, that's. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I think one of the things that is really cool about it is like, it's a game that when you watch it, it looks really intimidating and fast and kind of like hard to play. And I think that the, you know, the four freaks by freaks thing is, is kind of playing into that. Yeah. But like the thing about it is that every individual action you are doing is very simple. Totally. Like there aren't, it's like the shooting is not, you don't have to be pinpoint accurate. The jumping is not pixel perfect. It's like each individual thing is not that hard. And so speed running it isn't like impossibly difficult. It's just like getting a bunch of simple tricks done really well. And so I think it makes it. Yeah, it makes it more accessible than it 
looks because it looks like a crazy hardcore freak game but like it's not <laughs> it's i think it's really i think it's like very possible for most people to complete this game yeah totally i'm curious about like how it evolves over time like you know if you if you finish this thing and 100 it there jacob like is it still trickling in new stuff throughout the entire game to make it constantly feel exciting or is it just the levels get more complex and so that's kind of adding to oh, the yeah i mean the, the the levels get way more complex they do get longer um you know it, it's i don't know i think it's about what you would expect where it's like in the fourth do you know world they introduce tripwires and kind of like like that good kind of mario theory of game design it's like tripwires can do like 10 different things so if you run into them you die but you can use them to kill an enemy or you can break one and then it will break a wall or you can right. do this and so it's like it's just kind of it's asking you to to string together more and more of these tricks that you've been learning throughout playing the game so it's a pretty like it's a pretty smooth ramp of difficulty there weren't any huge jumps yeah, I don't know if we we talked about you know the anime and the story and stuff, but I don't know if we touched enough just on how much style this game has. Like I think you know listening to Blake Hester uh, who reviewed it over at Game Informer gave it a nine five for the love of Christ. Um, but over on the Game Informer show podcast, he was comparing it a lot to like it feels kind of like early two thousands Capcom or Clover or Grasshopper. It feels very much like Serial Vasquez would be all about this game's tone. I love in the I'm, I'm seeing if I have any like footage of it saved so I can look at it. But in the in the corner like of your you know, you have you have like the screen and then like your ammo is in the bottom right and in the bottom left is like your health bar. But it's also just a picture of your character neon white. And there's so much text that's like. <laughs> neon white a devil sent to heaven and then like, <laughs> sideways it's like can can devils find redemption in the rivers of the, and it's like there's just so much and it's meaningless and it's like you don't have to look at it at all but part of the aesthetic of this game is this like really kind of goofy hyper stylized like i said kind of dreamcasty thing and it, it rules yeah totally uh neon white check it out it's probably gonna be a big one for talking about at the end of the year um you think you're gonna stick with it janet yeah definitely um like i love the gameplay i hope that the world gets more interesting to me but the gameplay is good enough that it it really doesn't matter yeah um and then just really quick one of my beefs too with like the yeah. gameplay to, to world layer is just that they feel highly disconnected to me like they feel like two separate games that are smattered together and that's the my kind of my number one beef with it like i feel like we have this big chunk of story and some interesting kind of world simi mechanics and then they're like back into the level and like sometimes the characters are with you in the level to try to merge the two but i just don't think they're blended quite that well um at least early on it could evolve as i as i continue but yeah it's gonna be slow rolling because i keep replaying the levels but yeah we'll see. that's that's the joy uh all right let me change this funky layout and ask the one question janet do you know how this whole thing operates patreon my god that's right everybody if you like the show you can help support the show very directly not through an evil giant company or corporation but very directly just by going to patreon.com slash minmax with two n's uh you can unlock a ton of funky options and cool stuff for you there if you just check out the different options available to you including the bonus podcast feed where you can more than double the amount of podcasts from minmax every single week if you're interested in such a thing and thank you to some of our biggest supporters including folks who want you 
you to know about Ticket to Ride San Francisco. This is the new San Francisco design map with an exclusive rule twist of Ticket to Ride. Um, you've all played Ticket to Ride, t- the tabletop game, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there we go. This is the San Francisco... <laughs> That was the softest I've ever heard in my it's life. Leo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Thanks, Leo. Yeah, I, I guess I speak so. for all of us when I say... Mm-hmm. I've, I've lived in San Francisco. There so combined, we, we have this whole thing covered. Perfect. Well, Ticket to Ride San Francisco. Uh, they have tourist tokens now in this edition. It's also more portable, which is great. But yeah, one of the greatest tabletop games of all time. Now it is even easier to learn. Uh, you can learn it within three minutes, is what they say. And so it's also appealing for folks that are as young as eight. You can get it in Target as of now. So check out Ticket to Ride San Francisco edition and if you would like a free copy of this tabletop game follow us on twitter min max show on twitter we're going to be giving away five copies of ticket to ride san francisco so follow us min max show on twitter we'll have a competition you'll see it go up on thursday and it'll be running over the weekend so even if you listen to this or watch this after the fact you can still jump in there and win a copy of ticket to ride san francisco also thank you to our friends at i am 8-bit they want you to know about dust biters the two-player tabletop game we're all in on tabletop games i guess now uh they describe it as a quick and furious tabletop card game it's a diabolically simple game there's only 21 cards in this game so it's extremely portable easy to bring around but constant variety it's always surprising the combinations of these cards of these cars and cards because it's like a mad max style game um i jeff uh, came over to my house um a couple days ago to drop off the steam deck and stuff and i forced him to play around with me and you know what he said at the end of it he said that was fun so dust biters everybody check it out and you can get it from that's right you can get it from i am 8-bit store and you can use the promo code junebug no space junebug for 10 percent off everything in i am 8-bit's wonderful online store help support them because they support us in a big way because they give a prize away to the minmax community each and every week this week whoever submitted the best question over on patreon will win grim fandango remastered on the playstation leo one of your favorites uh, is it too late for me to submit a question? Uh, do you have a question for us now? We'll take it. What's up? Okay. Well, we don't have to answer, but we will remember that when we're trying to think. I want to say what my question. favorite at the end was uh, Leo asking, "What's up?" I okay. thought that was really thought-provoking. It, it actually was interesting. Yeah. I mean, it made the show better. There's no doubt about that. Um, all right, but let's get to these fun questions. We have Ricky Maru wrote in. Um, they say, hello, what is the biggest blind spot you have in your favorite game series or in a series you love? Is there any particular reason you've not gone back to fill them in? Uh, Ricky uh, really got into Resident Evil 7 and then played the entire series, but hasn't played Resident Evil 4, which is a bizarre <laughs> situation, but I guess save it for the remake now. I don't know. I mean, on that specific. track, I haven't played uh, 1 or, or remake, which I really would like to, but just haven't. Yeah. Well, I wonder how long it'll be before they remake the remake again for Resident Evil 1. The From, re-remake. Yeah, I I could see them doing, a, doing that within five it's, years. But the RE is really big. Right. Making it super <laughs> So that you clear. have no idea how to read it. It's like Resident <laughs> Evil re-re-re? Like, who knows? This, this isn't exactly the answer to the question, but we can we can spin this any way we want, Ricky Maru. I'm sorry. Um, but do, I feel guilty for not playing Death Stranding as a big Metal Gear Solid fan. Jacob, as you should. I should. I should. That's like a gap that I should fill in just for the Kojima gap. Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, Otherwise, I guess my answer would be Final Fantasy IV, a game that I've started like three times and haven't gotten through. And it seems important. Everybody's so nostalgic over it, but I don't know. Has anybody else got a good answer for a big old gap? Yeah, MGS5. um, And the reason I haven't played it is because I 
feel like I now need to like it's been so long since I've played the older ones and I think I might have missed one completely that I'm saving it for like a front to back that I probably will never do no so I'll see you in seven years when I probably still haven't played it and I can answer this question still with the same answer yeah I mean the beauty of five is you can go in pretty fresh I mean you should know three and then you should, you know, experience the cutscenes of Peace Walker, and I think you'll be just fine by and large. But where's the fun in that? You know what I mean? Okay, all right. You know what? That's fine. You 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 spend uh, your entire year playing through all those games. We'll have a good time. Uh, I else? think my um, answer will always be the those old Hitman games, and the reason why I haven't gone back to them will be the same as every other franchise like that, where I just I think they're probably bad. Well, it's not that they're bad; I'm it's just that they're so much better now that it's like, what, what are you doing? You know, yeah, you know, don't go back. It's like, hey, if you go back and play those old Hitman games, you can have like a sliver of the fun you can have from new Hitman games, Leo. Don't you want that? <laughs> right. It, yeah. and, and also, of course, our unique situation of it should probably be mined for content. That's right. You shouldn't just do it. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's your first mistake. You got to get for back fun. in the mines. Uh, Jacob Geller, you're perfect and you don't have any gaps anywhere in your knowledge? Oh, well, I mean, I said the re- remake, oh, but yeah, also yeah. Um, I, I love I love the original God of War series, but I've never played the ones, like the PSP ones, oh, which were released on like, there was like a console release of those games, and I would people, you know, say the story is good and whatever, but I don't know I don't know if they're like backwards if like the collection is backwards compatible or something, I don't yeah. know how I would get my hands is on it. Is it now. on PS Plus Premium? I don't think so, but they'll probably have a big God of War splash like before the new one comes out or something. Uh, Luca Alberti writes in and says, hey, since we're highlighting promising indie titles, why not talk about some indies that did not show up at the Summer Game Fest, but you're excited to talk about them? Um, what's indie game yeah, you're looking forward to, but it didn't show up? Mine would be She Dreams Elsewhere which is an Earthbound yeah. slash Undertale-inspired RPG. You know this one, Janet? Yep, yep. It's, it lives with me now. How so? Just like I, I um, found out about it from Blessing um, over at Kind of Funny, and now I'm, I saw like the pitch, and I'm like, it looks interesting. It's a story-centered game, really uh, interesting, stylized, kind of weird painting-like dreamy art, yeah. and now I'm just like following it into the ends of time because I have, I have no idea when that game's coming out. Yeah, it looks super Undertale, but yeah, She Dreams Elsewhere is the name of that one. Um, I guess like Sea of Stars might be the indie game that I'm most curious about that's coming out in December of 2022 and that was kind of MIA here, but I feel like we just heard about that within the last year, so it's not it's not exactly Silksong territory, I don't think. Um, really stretching the definition of indie here, but Hellblade 2 uh, was absent. Mm, yeah. And- I, I am very curious about that game. Yeah, that one at least is one from Xbox. Maybe the only uh, first-party game that I'm not really worried about. Like, I have faith that that thing is, like, on a path towards shipping. Where yeah, stuff like Everwild. Yeah, supposed to come like, out oh. this year. Really? They said. Yeah. Oh, they God. They said, like, end of the year. Oh, maybe I but. should be concerned about it then. Maybe it's going to get a little delay, <laughs> but who knows? Uh, um, for me, I have uh, Maneku's Night Market. Oh, um, yeah. Like I talked about a long time ago. I don't know when that's coming out. Um, then a couple other random ones from just like throughout the directs and wholesome game directs throughout the years. Like I end up putting them on my radar and they often take a while to come out. Um, and then also every now and then I name these and it's like, oh, it came out three months ago. You just never found out. And I was like, oh, how, <laughs> I don't know how to track that. Um, Paralives. It's like a Sims like game. Oh, yeah. Wait, is that, that one out? seems cool. 
What's up? Are you saying that one's out or that's one that's still coming no, out? No, okay. these are these are ones that like I have a list and I have to update it and make sure these are all right. But I have watching with no windows games I'm watching that have no release window. I just know they exist. Yeah. Um, you know, stuff like Soup Pot, uh, Venba. <laughs> those are both like cooking games. Tracks right. of Thought where you're like a bug on a train. That weird game called Bird Problems where it's like a sitcom with birds. Y'all remember that? No. I didn't dream that. It's really no, I think you might have dreamed that one. <laughs> I love that. Um, I'm so but jealous. Yeah, a Janet. bunch like that. I, I, this is the most obvious thing in the world, but I'm so jealous that you actually have that list because I always think of that like, oh, I should start a new Google Doc that's just games that look cool, but I know I'll quickly forget about just in that preview arena. So I should, I should mm-hmm. be more like you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start writing that stuff down. Um, also, Pal World, the game of Pokemon with guns. Where's that? Oh, <laughs> oh God, I don't remember that beast. Isn't that like we're, an, we're, ben, is that not an early the, access the or something? For this, right? I don't know. What's it called? Pal World? Pal World? It's I I maintain that it is never going to come out. It's the most ridiculous looking trailer I've ever seen where it's like, oh, God, it looks exactly that's right. like Pokemon, but it's a first person shooter. And then there's like a, a thing of like a bunch of Eevees like in a sweatshop making AK-47s. It's the strangest trailer I've ever seen for a game in my life. Well, there's some audience for that game. I don't know who they are. Oh, I don't yeah, know if I want me, to meet them. But oh, I just don't yeah, think it's ever going to come out. Oh, <laughs> interesting. They're going to get, I don't know, sued, or it's just a, an imaginary game that's not in development. Uh, Ricky Winterborn writes in with an interesting thought. Uh, Ricky says, I had an epiphany this weekend that Game Pass is the old country buffet of games. You feel so smug about getting a good deal and load up on spongy mac and cheese and indie games. Then go back to your table, take a few bites, feel empty inside, and leave. Do y'all actually play games to completion on Game Pass or just eat a chicken nugget and bounce? <laughs> that is that is exactly what Game Pass is like. You feel, you feel smug at the old country buffet? Oh, big time. You do. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think there is. For a ride. Hey, look, I, I'm not above <laughs> this. There totally is that feeling when you get to a buffet like, oh, they don't know what they signed up for. They don't know how much I can eat. And all that means is that you just pay about a normal amount and then feel horribly sick afterwards because you look ate like too much. a man who's had all he can eat <laughs> and what'd you do when it was closed we went fishing anyway if you would watch a lot of simpsons <laughs> that's right um but i like that it, it absolutely is yeah game pass or ps plus premium it's it's an all-you-can-eat situation which sounds great and oftentimes it can be but it's just tough to get the most of it most of it when realistically it's yeah i'll dabble i'll go in and well, uh, play a little bit of um iq for the original playstation one then call it quits right there What's the last Game Pass game y'all beat? Great question. Um, That's kind of what this is asking. Yeah. Nice. I want to finish that, but I've just been, it's my chicken nugget game. Yeah. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. I I do kind of think it's the, yeah, it's the thing where like, if you, if you invest money in something, you're instantly more invested in it than if you don't. Like, it's the same problem i've heard uh, if you're pirating games or something you know if you're like emulating them where it's like i can play anything in the world and then it's like well then nothing's fun like it's too much choice yeah but if you're going in there with a mission you can really make a lot out of it uh aaron you writes in and says hey everybody do you think video games would be taken more seriously as an art form if so many games basic gameplay loop wasn't to kill something it's a fair question Yeah. yeah but by who? What kind of kill something stuff is nominated at the Oscars every year? Hmm. Zero Dark yeah, 30? name one movie where <laughs> people kill people and it's won an Oscar. I don't know, but it's like, who's judging this? Who's, 
who would be honoring video games and saying, tis truly art, but they're being held back because there's a gun in Fortnite. I just think the whole medium is really hurt by the fact that every game writer has to come up with three distinct factions that have thousands of people you want to see die. You know, it's not a problem other other creative works have. Yeah, we're getting away from that. I mean, if you watch that Wholesome Games Direct, you'd realize that farming and witches and frogs are the new shooting. So maybe certainly in the indie space is doing all the heavy lifting there for sure. I think I think that is the issue that you raise, Leo, is different than operating through violence. You know, it's like I think I think stupid, bloated, open world games can be you know it's like you can have that conversation without kind of the conversation of games having violence as a thing because I, that that feels to me more um i don't know i'm kind of with ben of like the people who don't consider games art i don't think would be more convinced if we you know showed yeah. them the wholesome games direct yeah like, like if, i think they just don't care right if i showed a gameplay video or let's play of journey to roger ebert's corpse i don't think it'd be more impressed is all i'm saying i'd be impressed that you were able to access roger ebert's corpse oh yeah yeah yeah. it's actually it's not that hard i'll, I'll share you a, a link on google maps later um <laughs> isaiah writes in and says hey gang uh, i just got married in the middle of may to my best friend congratulations uh, like ben said on a podcast it was a lot of moving parts and i'm so glad everything worked so well it was like clockwork Perfect. That's what it's like getting married if it goes well, I think. Um, we had an open bar, and my partner and I had a really great time utilizing that. <laughs> That's a nice way of phrasing it. <laughs> Once we got to the hotel that night, we walked across the street to a convenience store on the east called Wawa. We were pretty drunk and both got chicken from the convenience store to eat. We started to cry as we ate it because I swear it was the best chicken we ever ate. Fast forward to the next morning and neither of us had any semblance of a hangover despite both of us being lightweights. We thanked the chicken from the night before. My question is, are there any occasions where you had food so good it made you emotional? Now, I'm no psychiatrist. That only gave us the end of that question, by the way, for people listening. Like, I didn't even know this came with a whole story. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't post that entire story for a heads up. Um, I'm no psychologist, but I would imagine that maybe it was like a fraction of the chicken, but it was also probably how emotional it is to get married. I'd imagine it was some of those feelings welling up because you're processing a lot. No, I was going to say, that felt like an unnecessary detail. What <laughs> kind of bloated? Where's this chicken? <laughs> Tell us about the chicken. Um, yeah, I would say most of my emotional experiences are related to food. Really? Okay. I mean, probably tied in some way. <laughs> Does that count if, yeah, you're on a romantic date with your partner um, at a fine candlelit meal which i'm imagining jacob and then you pause the meal to watch a trailer for final fantasy 7 and get emotional about it does that count as yeah. being emotional near food yeah and i'm eating yeah a bag of chips um no i had um for instance my uh my grandma always made um uh like bread when we came and i was a very picky eater and so i would eat like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches only but i would eat it on that bread which was like the best bread recipe in the world and now i have that and make it uh, pretty frequently and it's like I, still always i get kind of emotional of just thinking oh it's my grandma's bread yeah i, I get that like we have um my mom has a recipe for like a cranberry bread that we have uh for christmas every year and I could see, you know, 30 years from now making that and just crying my eyes out. You know, it's like it's such a weird nostalgic thing. 
Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd get emotional about like <laughs> just something tasting so good in and of itself. I that's the that's what I'm thinking of here. I don't really have the the familiar familial ties with any recipes or anything. I just have the Costco habanero cheddar that every time I eat on a cracker, I say what is the point of my life if not to get me to this cheese at as many points as possible? That thing is spicy as all hell too, right? It's, I literally would not be the slightest bit surprised if there was some kind of addictive drug chemical in it. Really? Well, isn't that the idea is that there, there is in spicy food because you get addicted to like the endorphins or whatever that kick in because your body has to counteract the pain. Sure. Okay. Well, there it is. Uh, Lewis K writes in and says, Hey team, can you honestly, can you say honestly, have you ever looked forward to a game with pleasure? I've always <laughs> found the sign off from game announcements of please look forward to it. Extremely strange. What does this actually mean? Is this a translation thing or should we be looking forward to things a lot more than we are? I feel like Kyle was talking about this earlier in the show. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's a translation thing, but maybe the Japanese are better just about living in the moment and truly living in the moment by savoring something that's coming in the future. I guess that's what I'm trying Wait, to get I'm, at. Wait, I'm confused by the concept of the question. We all look forward to games all the time. But do we you enjoy... the first hour and a half of this talking about it. But do you enjoy... <laughs> do you get that much pleasure out of the anticipation, I guess, is the core of the question. Yeah, I think I think the please is a. Why else do people listen to gaming podcasts? (laughs) I think please is just to be polite. It's not like please. It's it's not telling you to be pleased while you look forward. It's please look forward to, like please be excited. Basically. Oh, okay. Yeah, we want for our sake, not for yours. Well, yeah, because it's like please, please look forward to this. Like please, please make it so that I can keep making my art. (laughs) (laughs) Please. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jake Zielsdorf writes in, uh, will pixel art be around forever or will it eventually go the way of silent movies? This is a good pixel question. Forever. I think it, I think it'll be around forever, especially because I think kids now will be playing games that have pixel art, which are homages to old games, but they'll be nostalgic about those games. It's kind of like the I mean, same also, way. It's oh, but, oh, go ahead. Probably Jake, like go ahead. black and white movies. Right. You know, they're still around. Well, I was going to say, I think it's uh, the comparison I was thinking of is it feels like how Indiana Jones was like a nostalgia piece in and of itself for like the old adventure serials and stuff that would play before movies. And then Lucas and Spielberg were all in on that. And now forget that. We don't even know what they're talking about. We're just nostalgic about movies like Indiana Jones, you know? So I think it's kind of like that weird generational leapfrog where just think about like how impactful Minecraft's visuals have been for so many millions of young players. It's like those visuals are so bizarre and i think it just kind of trained kids to be like yeah even if it looks quote-unquote old it can still be the greatest game of all time you know i don't think they'll be around forever oh i think in 10 years you'll be able to type into dale 2 a 3d model of a of joel from the last of us and then you get a perfect one and you say animation of him running and you'll get that too and it'll be easier than even making the simplest art could be but then you can put you comma, but pixelated, 8-bit Joel. And then there's a whole new market for you there, dude. That's true. You could. Uh, Tanner Hoisington writes in and says, Howdy, everybody. This isn't my real voice. Uh, since I'm planning on jumping up to the game champion tier on Patreon next month, I'm wondering, which game would you each select a champion? Do you think you'd have a shot at making it through the Twitter poll? So this is the $50 tier. You get a shout out at the end of every podcast, and you're in the description for every MinMax video. And podcast. Um, 
Simple question. What would you champion yourself? What would you like to be declared the champion of? What do y'all think? Please Does answer it have this to be, way. Like, there can be overlap with the existing ones, right? Yeah, I think so. Oh, probably Jack and Daxter. Like, Chicory. Ooh, Chicory's good. No one's taking Fortnite, Chicory yet. Fortnite, so people think I'm better than I am. Nobody, nobody has declared themselves the champion of Fortnite, which I think is bold. I thought that would come that in That seems faster. like a missed opportunity. Yeah, I'll do... Yeah, sure, why not? Okay. I'll do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. That's good. Um, uh, I like the idea of being the champion of Disco Elysium, being like, I'm the best alcoholic <laughs> cop. Like, none of you are nearly as good at it And the it competition was stiff out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple different strategies. <laughs> not like, in real life, just in the game. <laughs> I like the um, I like the strategy of people going for like super specific games that only they're really nostalgic about or that's not really in the public consciousness. Like there was that one old PC game. God, if I could remember that. Or like, you know, Ted Riser chose the Kodo Tag mode within Warcraft 3, like that mod. Um, and so I like that strategy versus picking a very popular game, hoping to win the Twitter poll, hoping that we then make content about this game. Um, but I think I'd go Asian Mythology if I had to choose one to champion. Um, but in terms of the Twitter poll for this next round, um, somebody chose Wind Waker. Yeah, Atsiko yeah. 12 chose Wind Waker. I think that might be a tough one to beat. I think that might win the poll. But if you got one you think can win, jump in there. We'd love to have you jump up. Uh, Lance Parrish writes in and says, what is the pettiest reason you have quit a supposedly great game? For me, it's Red Dead Redemption 2. I was riding around and saw a woman getting kidnapped as any unambiguously righteous protagonist would do, I shot the kidnapper in the head and went to untie the woman who had fallen on the ground. At the last second, the button for untie became the button for kick, and I kicked her in the head, killing her instantly. I got so frustrated that I alt f 4 out, uninstalled it, and I haven't looked back since. It's called yep. emergent gameplay. <laughs> Surprise, you're kicking her! Honestly, that was my not not one to one, but that was my experience with Red Dead Two. Where at a certain point, I'm like, the fact that I can't close this drawer easily is too much to fathom. The fact that I touch anybody and now I'm wanted in three states. Yep. I'm like, I just I, the mind can only take so much. For me, it's the dust in <laughs> the dust in uh, Shadow of the Colossus. How and just dare kinda, like, you? Open and and like it just it didn't grab me right away, and I'm like, you know what? I'll just come back maybe later when you remake it again. And they did remake it again. I was like, this needs another another round they can't do it so you think when they put a bunch of like stupid goblins in the world like that's what i don't know it just didn't it didn't hit i know it's upsetting for people but like though i am thinking about going back because i'm playing solar ash it is petty and i'm like you know it's is this not solar is but like older and different looking with a horse that i already know what happens to because everyone talks about it all the time easy so it's not gonna do anything for me emotionally um it runs i don't know <laughs> that's right uh, i so quit games for petty reasons uh, most games for petty reasons i would say yeah. i don't know what comes to mind for me is getting stuck into some mine in elden ring and like either having to go back make my way through it which i was having a lot of trouble doing or just leave my whatever pitiful early game amount of souls was there and I just uh, uninstalled the game instead. Oh, Leo. We want you to like it. <laughs> that happened with Elden Ring like as it. well. I like, um, for me, my breaking point was I I jumped down. I dropped down and then I tried to jump to like mitigate the fall damage, but I still died. And then someone yep. online told me that the fall damage is based on how long you've been in the air. And I'm like, 
I uninstall. I just <laughs> for the record, that is incorrect. But uh, it is it is a petty reason to quit it. Um, mine was, I think, uh, Mafia Three. I was just looking through my like games that are installed that quit that I just like couldn't climb over a hedge and I had to like, <laughs> walk around to something and i was like i don't i already don't like that this is like i have to play the open world to get to the story i'm just not gonna do this that's bold uh james uh cool person james is so they should be labeled uh they say i am pleased to announce that i've officially been cast as a background actor for the upcoming fallout tv series on amazon prime that's a good get james Ah, we're all jealous uh they say, I do have to keep specific role and setting details hush-hush, but it's pretty exciting stuff. They said, whatever you do, don't write into a podcast talking about it. Uh, this got me thinking, if you got to be a, if you got to be cast as a background person on a video game, TV show, or movie, what dream project and character would it be? A market vendor in Midgar? Hell yeah, absolutely. Junk dealer all the way. A guard in your favorite city on Cyrodiil? How do you pronounce the Elder Scrolls 4 thing? Cyrodiil? Cyrodiil. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm still hoping to be a splicer one day myself. Thank you for all you do. I mean, with Fallout on the resume, yeah, they'll let you walk onto that Bioshock set, baby. <laughs> I mean, question. what greater honor for a gamer like me than to have Hitman take my clothes and leave me nude on the floor in the closet? <laughs> oh, my God. Would you, would you genuinely do that, Leo, if it was like, okay, we'll give you this role in the Hitman show. You will have to be fully nude. Oh yes, in a heartbeat. Okay, okay, and so I wouldn't have to negotiate for it myself. Do you think Agent Forty Seven would you still do it if in the script Agent Forty Seven pointed at your nude body and then looked at the camera and said "Girl," (laughs) you'd still (laughs) sign up for it? You'd be forever known as the girl guy. Definitely, I feel like there's a lot of uh, fan support for that role. I could see it becoming recurring. Okay, I think that gets you into this Screen Actors Guild. If you have that much on Screen Actors Guild. (laughs) (laughs) There it is, everybody. No miss joke opportunities today. Uh, Yeah, I think I would need a mask if I was going to be in the background of a show. Like, yeah, Mass Effect show. I think would be all right if I could just be like an alien in a mask or some hunter in a mask. Because like the rest of the time, I. My face, I wouldn't be able... I'm not a good actor. I wouldn't be able to keep it cool. I'd be distracting. I'd be looking at them. Like, you know when you see those extras who are, like, paying too much attention to the main characters? I'd be one of those dweebs. <laughs> they were just talking on the It's Always Sunny podcast about how one scene where they're they're being crazy in public or whatever, and if everybody's annoyed by them, whatever they do constantly in that show, they had a background extra that, like, kept in every take, kept pointing at them and doing the crazy thing. <laughs> You know, around their ear to their partner they're having lunch with or whatever. And they talked about having the assistant director have to talk to them. <laughs> You're not adding to the comedy. <laughs> oh, that's so miserable. Um, I, I don't want them to make a modern Wolfenstein show, but I would love to be just like an NPC in the resistance base. Just like just like hammering a piece of wood behind BJ Blaskowitz doing something. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good. Uh, the Doctor of Funk themselves, Bob Buell, writes in, and they say, Hey, Janet, and the other couple of fellas. Hello. Um, why do you use the version of your name that you do? Why not Leonardo Vader or Benny Hansen? When did you make that decision? Did you ever test drive alternate versions of names? I don't think I'd ever considered Leonardo Vader, but that is a beautiful name. Is that your full name, Leo? No, my full name is just Leo. Oh. 
Your parents, but I could choose yeah. to go by my middle name, Eugene, but it wasn't much of a competition for me as far as which one I wanted to go by. Yeah. I mean, no offense to my grandfather. Rest in peace. I've probably talked about this a couple of times, but like you, you can't compete with that name because you have Leonardo from the Turtles and then yep. Darth Vader. Like you're a combination of two beloved pop culture characters. It's just like game over. That's your name. Done. I was making an appointment at the vet the clinic and I gave my name and she said, oh, great name. God, I'm so jealous. It's, uh, it's truly a blessing. Sometimes I give, literally, I remember, oh, where was I? I was in some business, some small mom and pop business, and I said my name, I asked for my name, and it was literally laughter around the room. Like, that is the most boring name we've ever heard in all this. I remember I was like in <laughs> high school or something and it was just like, that is the most common blah name and like this group of coworkers were laughing at me <laughs> it was really jarring i mean they're so traumatic. they're right Why? they're right i mean but. i mean ben's not exactly like the most unique thing in the world but i don't know i don't hear hansen a lot personally yeah i don't either it's not not that it's not uncommon i probably said that wrong you know what i meant no 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 i get it i mean other than in my mp3 player i don't hear hansen a lot am i right yes. um but uh here's okay what do you think about this janet you're, you're smart with branding and all this stuff Sure. Um, I was thinking like a couple years into Game Informer, I was like, oh, you know what I should have done? When I started at Game Informer, the first kind of like public facing job or whatever, if I would have gone by my middle name, which is Merrill, if I was just, hi, everybody, I'm Merrill Hansen, it'd be unique. Do you think I would be more successful as an online personality with a name like Merrill? No. No? I'd have the exact so. same number of Twitter followers. I bet I'd have at least... 2,000 more would be my argument. No, I think it'd be worse off. Really? Oh. Yeah, Ben's so much easier to remember. Yeah, but so Mer- I feel like there are, how many Bens are in the industry? Are there, are there other, you ben, got a competition out there? Ben Pack, uh, Ben Kuchera, um, ben, ben Esposito. Ben Esposito. Oh, yeah. That pack. Oh, man. I'm gunning for him. <laughs> you uh, guys should go all in one group chat. Okay. Uh, that's right. Greg Miller's kid. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Benjamin. So I mm. don't know how much they're going by Ben yeah. for him, but okay. So Leo, you're with me, right? Merrill would have been cool. I think easily two thousand more followers. Thank I you. think that Thank I you. can commit to today, and I think <laughs> it certainly has more potential. I'd love to see it. Okay, all right. Benny would be fun, like Benny the Bull, Benny and the Jets. Like you could have had a good time with that. Benny's tough. That's like uh, what is it? That's a total recall. Or right? isn't Benny like the cab driver or something? Like or no, no, I guess not the cab driver, but like the helper guy. I just there's no cool Benny. I don't think. Yeah. Benny and the Jets. I don't yeah. know. What's he about? What does he do other than scream the name Benny and sing it? What's the song the about? Song? Yeah, what's it, what is that about? Benny and the Jets it, lyrics. Like, he's, it's it's just a vibe, you know? No one's a, ever asked me that. He's before. a gang leader, right? Is that what's going on there? I don't know. Jacob, I don't know what's going on. Jacob, you're smart. Because um, you sound smarter by going with Jacob instead of Jake. Um... I there there's a weird thing where in my life people who knew me before I was old enough to introduce myself do call me Jake because my parents said that. Ooh, that's good. But I was never I never like disliked that name. It was just like it was like what's your name at school? And I was like, well, my name is Jacob. Like you know, it's and not here to say. I, I I wasn't I wasn't saying like but people call me Jake. I was just kind of like well people ask my name so I should say my name and that's <laughs> Jacob. Um. So it was never really a conscious choice, but there are like, you know, usually relatives and like friends I've had for a really long time that will call me Jake, but it's, it's unusual. Yeah. Is, um, oh, Leo, did you figure out what that song's about, by the way? 
<laughs> seems to be about a gang, but yeah. uh, hard to tell. I don't. I can't endorse that. I can't change my name to that. Uh, is Jane a variation? Uh-uh. No. People do Jan sometimes. Oh, I hate that. I think okay. it's super not... I'm not a fan. Sorry. Like, I don't want to find anyone who's named Jan out there listening or has loved ones who are afflicted with the name Jan. <laughs> like Jan Levinson Gould from The Office. Um, sometimes people mispronounce it as Jeanette. That's not oh. the closest I get. I go by Jay sometimes, hmm. but not not like on a serious level. Like my family might say Jay or, or uh, Maggie, my now sister, um, calls me Little Janet. <laughs> like that's she, she's called me that forever um but it's like it's funnier now that i'm like 28 and not a high schooler when she right. first met me um sometimes she'll call me like jay or like little jay or something but that's kind of it like that's not really a name i go by super regularly but that's that's the variant jay. that's all right uh tony the swordsman writes in and says with recent personalities and journalists leaving a site and going independent Oh, by the way, thank you, Backstage Pass. Yeah, Ben Moore, I forgot earlier, from Easy Allies, who's just announced that they're leaving. Um, But I'm finding myself with so many more podcasts uh, that can be up to three hours each and streams I can handle. It feels like the similar trouble one has with all the streaming sites like Netflix or Hulu. How do you make the time to keep up with all the journalists and personalities you enjoy now that they're all splintered eight ways to Sunday? Yeah, it is tough. I remember like when Nextlander started, I was like, I don't know if I can contain another gaming podcast, but I'm sure as hell going to try. Um, and now it's just multiplied even more beyond that. Like, all right, now listen to three and a half hours of Jeff Gersman talking into a mic. It's like, okay, I do want to do that every week. Here we go. Um, so I guess there's no limit to what the human can endure is the takeaway. I mean, I don't. I know that's like maybe like not an exciting answer, but like I just try to retweet everyone's stuff, but I'm not necessarily listening to like all of that. That's yeah. like too much. It's, it's just I just don't ha- always have the time for it. Um, I sort of putz around and pick stuff to spend some time with and kind of treat it like a a backlog thing or something I'm in the mood for more than a weekly rotation. Personally, yeah, that's probably smarter. Um, I, I definitely at, at points had like IGN in my weekly rotation before working there and then kind of funny my weekly ro- rotation before working there and this show and the rotation before. So I work at all the places that I, I need to listen to. Right, so now right, I'm right. Smart. on the show. <laughs> it saves time. Uh, the only podcast I'm regularly dipping into at this point is um, the Kit and Krista podcast. But even yeah. that's kind of irregular. Like I'm slowly working my way through. Um, Ooh, I, and I just... With that one. it on for dishes and stuff. It's totally. Fun. It's fun, especially they're very good. They have a segment which is just Nintendo story time where it's just mm-hmm. them telling stories of working at Nintendo and it's really good insider stuff about just like planning for E3 from inside Nintendo, but like no one else is telling these stories. Like, it, So if I'm ever behind on that podcast because I've listened to every episode, um, but with this freaking honeymoon, I don't want to complain. I guess my wife hears, but I got so backed up on podcasts. It, my entire Aww. schedule is just She's out the window. She's going to pull the Wi-Fi out of the that router. Sucks. Yeah, no kidding. That Thanks. sucks, man. Thanks, Leo. You get it, man. That's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so now like I'm behind, so I'm just going through Kit and Krista, but like just listening to that Nintendo Storytime chunk, it's like that alone is, is worth it. It's so good. Does your wife listen to the show? No. No. She, she's barely interested in anything I do, which is... <laughs> but she's very sweet and supportive at the same time. It's the best combo. She has the right reaction whenever I talk about any of the shows, which is... I'm, or at least she's not like, like putting on your show while you're in the car or anything like that. We no. have to hear yourself talk. No, no, no. That would truly be a nightmare. Um, Liga, does your partner listen to your stuff or watch your stuff? Uh, she checks in on my streams. Oh, that's nice. And she watches all my videos. But so yes, not this midnight. Sorry, yes, everything just not midnight. Just no midnight stuff. Well, I see. It's, it's like after the show. It's much easier to keep up with your partner's stuff when they release stuff once a month. 
right. <laughs> you know, it's like, it is true. My, my parents watch my videos. They don't listen to min max. No offense. That's fine. Uh, yeah, it turns out a lot of people in my family watch like the new show plus uh, winner from last week. That's was horrifying. Just, oh yeah. But it was me going through just like vacation or like the, the honeymoon vacation photos. Oh, yeah, so right, like, Oh, right. we all got to experience your trip to Alaska by watching your YouTube show. It's, like, it's very weird, but okay. Uh, Ryan vote writes in and says better quest alert because I'm cool. Like y'all are. Uh, I often write parody songs. Hell yeah, Ryan. Uh, my longtime goal of properly recording one looks to be coming true soon, and it's game-related. Stay tuned, Ryan says. Um, also, missed joke opportunity. Ben recently compared PlayStation Plus Premium to a Game Pass for the past. Clearly, he should have said Game Pass. You're right. I apologize for my <laughs> sins and deeds, Ryan. Uh, congratulations on recording your parody songs. That does sound fun. Uh, Crab Palace writes in and says, Miss Joke Opportunity, last week you said, Kyle, do you know how this whole thing operates? You could have said, Kyle, do you know how this whole thing farts? And then farted into the microphone. Oh. That is interesting. I mean, that one's good because you could use it next week and it would be just as funny. Yeah. Uh, Jason Wojnar writes in and says, have you ever fallen asleep in a movie theater? Why? It's <laughs> a great question, Jason. Because <laughs> what Ty owed. I fell asleep once in a movie theater in my life, and it was Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End during the Ooh. during the climb. Please let movie. him finish. Let him finish, Jacob. <laughs> I watched it again recently and had no major problems with it, but it was just in theaters. <laughs> a glowing review. Like it was just like a big climax of three movies, and it's like went on for a long time. <laughs> and I was, and it, in my defense, I was a little sleepy guy. Yeah, I get it. Hey, you want to hear some BS? One time, Mr. King of Journalism, Tim Turry, now at PlayStation, formerly of Capcom and Game Informer, um, they were playing All the President's Men in Minneapolis. And that's a movie I really love. And so I was like, oh, let's go to this theater and see All the President's Men. This Tim Turry fella, he fell asleep during All the President's Men. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh no! Thank you. <laughs> Once so I saw the raid too, and somebody fell asleep and was snoring so loud, I had to go <laughs> ask an usher to wake them up. Was, they were oh snoring louder than the movie. There's a scene in the raid too where the whole point is he's putting on insanely loud music so you can't hear anything, so he can communicate with his wife, and he was snoring above that <laughs> level of music. That's rough. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, I, when I saw, um, we went to England, Jeff Corkin been reusing myself for the Hellblade cover story trip at Game Informer. And we landed, and we're like, okay, we have to overcome jet lag. We need to stay awake this entire day. What should we do? Uh, let's go see a movie. Let's go see Logan. It's opening today. So we went and saw Logan, um, like opening weekend or whatever. And it was so brutal. Because like, I don't know, the time, it all worked out. So it was actually like five in the morning is the way it felt. And like going to a dark place and sitting in a super comfy chair. The worst idea. So like Logan was the most where I was... Is one of those, you know, like the good falling asleep thing. I assume everybody does this if you're falling asleep watching something where you'll fall asleep and you'll start to dream so quickly. Like you'll create your own continuation of the movie and then you wake up and be like, oh, that's right. Okay. That was fake. This part's real though. Do y'all have that? <laughs> is that a common thing? Okay. That doesn't happen to me. Really? I'm not dreaming through film. No, well, not the, not what you're describing. The, I thought you were going to say like you nod down and then you, you know. You but with nodding down, you don't, up. you don't like pick up that thread from the movie or show that you're watching and your dream world like continues it and derails it. Nah. Wow. Mm -mm. That sounds cool though. It is it's really like cool. Dream plus or something, you it know. It is dream plus. Absolutely. Uh, Procyon number six writes in and says, hey, Ben and friends, uh, deja vu. Let's talk about it. I feel like we've done this before. How often do you experience deja vu? How realistic is it for you? Really do nice. you find it disorienting or do you feel like you have some X-Men level of clairvoyance? Uh, yeah. Even though 
it was very exciting as a kid when you learned what it was, but I still was convinced like, yeah, but I think mine makes me a superhero. I think something special is happening to me, even though I guess there's a term for it. Did we all have that feeling? You mean just learn the existence of the phenomena or do you know why it actually happens? Um, isn't it something, oh boy, I feel like I knew it at Are some you point. God? Do you know? <laughs> I'm not the God, I'm a God, I think. I was saying Groundhog Day. And Hanson, um, God's favorite. It's something about just, uh, <laughs> what is it again? Something like uh, your brain is rerouting some things through a weird path, something, something. I feel like it famously does not have an explanation is why I ask. What did you know? The fact that you let him go on for like several <laughs> minutes before saying, I heard it was more nothing. interesting. <laughs> I think it, I think um, it does. Scientists can I take to... this opportunity to complain about the scene in the Matrix where yes. Neo sees a cat walk past and then immediately after he yes. sees the same cat walk past and he says, whoa, deja vu. Not deja vu. Yes, <laughs> I'm totally with you. Yeah, that tries me nuts. Well, second, it's like, yeah. I think that's a perfect movie, but <laughs> Neo is wrong about what that cat is. Um, WebMD, what is deja vu? Um, who experiences, what causes it? Yeah, Mem- this is a great source. Memory gets stored in the temporal lobe of the brain. I'll be damned. <laughs> this part of the lobe. brain helps us recognize familiar <laughs> I experiences. That, Literally, I had that same thought. Thank you for saying that. I never know if anyone will know what I'm talking about, <laughs> so I never want to make that reference. While science has yet to prove that everyday deja vu experiences are a result of memories stored in the temporal area... Some researchers believe there's a connection between the two. I don't know. Also, oh, yeah. Well, that's deja, vu, deja vu just makes me feel like we're living in a simulation, which I have that feeling pretty regularly. So it's like, hey, let's just keep, keep it rolling. Yeah. Do you have that feeling, too, of like every time you get it, it's like, oh, I want to keep this rolling as long as possible. And I feel it oh, kind no. of like fade away. Do you know, you know what I'm talking about? Is that feeling of like, okay, if I just keep doing the right things, I can keep this deja vu for the rest of my life. That's um, scary. Why would you? You want that? You yeah, want to feel fun. like you're living the same thing over again? Sure. <laughs> Why not? That's scary. Who are we, man? I don't know. I, I heard a very spiritual explanation for deja vu once that I like. That's just that it's like a sign that you're where you're supposed to be because it's such a unique feeling. And if you are like thinking about that, I think in my experience, it's been like this is a nice validation of that. Mm. Yeah, you're doing everything this right. It does feel like I'm in the right place. Yeah, that's nice. I assume scientists have gotten to the bottom of this. Like, the part that still drives me nuts is the fact that last time... Even if they won't tell us. Yeah, tell us, you hacks. (laughs) Apparently, there's no scientific explanation yet for why yawns are contagious. I heard that a while ago, and it's like, hey, scientists, what are you doing? Get on that. It's a very obvious thing. It's crazy. And they're contagious between me and my cats. Yes. What's going on, science? Come on, science. Are you listening? Come on. It's wild. Um, all right, that's it for questions. What do y'all like for uh, question of the week? <laughs> and ta-da, as we like to say at what the a, end of podcasts. That was very chaotic. Um, I thought what's up I was pretty good. I feel like the petty good. games was fun. Yep. That was, that was one that was nice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, games as an art form, I think were good. Um, Extras oh. in the game movie, game show. It is good. I like that. Oh, I like that. I like to think about Leo being naked in a Hitman well, show. Well, we all do. Um, what about emotional <laughs> food? Reality. Emotional food. That story, I think, is very sweet. The story is cute. Story's cute. Um, name question. Okay. Are we, are we leaning in a direction? Janet? Uh, I, Leo said, what's up? Leo did say, what's yeah. up? Okay. We all remember that is an true. honor. But, but we keep going back to Leo's question. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't want to pick it. 
Jacob, you pick it. I pick Jacob to pick the question. Okay. Emotional food. Emotional food! Congratulations, Isaiah. You now get to celebrate your wedding by playing Grim Fandango on the PlayStation, which is the best possible wedding I could imagine. Uh, all right, now it's time for something that we call Get a Load of This. All right. Uh, Janet, it's been a while. I imagine you got some hot facts stored up. Sure, get a load of this. Um, there's a little article that was written a few weeks ago about rats trained to carry tiny backpacks into earthquake zones so that rescue teams can talk to survivors. And that's just like what an adorable use case for these rats. <laughs> Finally, that's great. Hey, you know what? Maybe science is and, onto something. And they have like these little like harnesses on and like, I don't know, it's, something, it's, it's adorable and practical, which is the best combination of things. That's beautiful. There's links below for all this fun stuff. Uh, Jacob Geller, you got one? Uh, yeah, so this one this one's a little tough because it is technically behind a paywall, but it's a pretty low paywall. Um, my my uh, co-worker and fellow YouTuber Patrick Willems, who's a guy who makes um, video essays about movies, has been doing this thing for the past two years about like he kind of has a little like. skit before and after his videos, and it was like an ongoing plot storyline thing and he finally wrapped it all up by making a a full length movie of like the kind of finale of this thing and it was funded by nebula which is this alternate streaming service that full disclosure i am a part of and, and also leo um but it's like they they gave him you know not not a ton of money still a you know micro budget for a movie but like to make a 90 minute movie and it is just really fascinating if you're kind of interested in movie making to be like okay if you do know what you're doing with a camera and you do have some budget but you're still fundamentally like making a movie with your friends about like a very silly thing what's the best that it can look um because this is kind of that. So it's this movie. It's called Night of the Coconut. It's it's on Nebula. And it's like, I mean, it's it's a comedy and it's silly, but it just huh. is kind of like a it's like a filmmaking exercise. I think it is really cool to see, like, what you can do, you know, now with a fairly limited budget. Yeah, I love it. Uh, hey, get a little of this. It's just a little factoid that my wife told me. And I said, that can't be right. But it turns out it's right. Um, did you know that Anne Frank, Martin Luther King Jr., and Bar Barbara Walters were all born in the same year. They were all born 1929. Isn't that weird? I knew the Anne Frank and Martin Luther King thing, but I did not know Barbara Walters. Yeah, still alive. It just feels like, well, those feel like three different generations, like three different eras, but it's so weird to think. They're like, oh no, they all had the exact same starting point. 1929, fun history facts, everybody. Uh, oh. Leo, you got one? Get a load of this t Times Sniper Elite clip I want to share. <laughs> it's from the subreddit. It's of an invasion where this person was invading someone else. So they're playing as German infantry or whatever. And they're acting like an NPC. So they're holding down the walk button and walking down the street and looking behind them. And they're seeing the person in their single player campaign pull out their silenced pistol and like line up the shot and take their time. Because, you know, you never expect an NPC to turn around on their patrol. And then this guy just whips around and 
hip fires him with the rifle and it does the kill cam and everything. It's just a gorgeous clip of a great <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, hey, from the Discord, the community Discord, people share get a little of this is all the time and they're fun to see. Forrest with two R's shared this uh, tweet from Josh Gerben. Um, apparently the Ohio State University has successfully registered a trademark for the word the. The registration was well, just issued. good, not <laughs> bad uh application was filed in 2019 so it took three years but apparently they have registered the word the as a trademark so congratulations to the ohio state university uh better than the rest of us uh hey that's it for this episode of the minmax show podcast thank you so much for listening or watching everybody and sharing the show however you like to share it we appreciate the support whether it's telling a friend whether it's subscribing to our youtube channel whether it's supporting us on patreon and unlocking this show one day early each and every week we love it all um let's see also if you subscribe to uh or support us over there on patreon uh you can unlock party chat which is our patreon exclusive podcast which goes up every week uh this week i was joined by one kimberly wallace uh who is leaving game informer after a decade i worked with her for a long time so we go through and tell some old fun game informer stories talk about you know traveling on some cover story trips to amsterdam and tokyo talk about the launch of horizon all that fun stuff uh we unpack some kingdom Hearts stuff because she just broke the internet last week with her uh, Nomura interview, her final interview with Game Informer all about Kingdom Hearts and you know how Nomura didn't want Sora in Smash. So we talk about what it's like to actually interview Nomura, how that whole thing happened. We also talk about Miss Marvel, uh, which is uh, quite good, believe it or not. Um, and Crisis Core is a lot of fun chat. So you can enjoy that uh, in Party Chat, which is the Patreon exclusive podcast. Um, also, heads up um, that some of us, I think it's going to be Joe Juba and Anna and I will be going to Summer Games Done Quick which is happening next week because it's happening um, in a suburb of Minneapolis. So we'll be going over there and making a little travelogue and going behind the scenes. So uh, we'll be in the crowd hooting and hollering. So look for us uh, on that Monday, perhaps. Um, also, we've had some people ask like, hey, what's the next Deepest Dive? What's going on with the Deepest Dive? Tell us about the Deepest Dive. Um, full disclosure, uh, some things are kind of up in the air on that. It's like we have some ideas a handful of ideas which are rock solid, but also it's like, oh, but if they announce this soon, then we should probably do that. So we're going to play it safe and wait to see if there is a Nintendo Direct next week to see if there's any announcements that would make more sense for a Deepest Dive. Um, because who knows if this Direct's probably happening. It's probably not, but some people thought that a Direct is happening next week, so we're going to wait and see how that goes before we announce anything. Um, and then also we have a new Patreon goal that we're brewing up that we're going to announce at the start of July. We don't want to announce one at the end of next month, but Janet's taking a big swig so she doesn't reveal any secrets about this Patreon goal, but it's... Thank you for drawing attention to it. <laughs> I appreciate that. But it should totally be... undermine the swig, but it's fine. That's right. It should be an adventurous one. So we look forward to, to launching that and let you all know about it. Uh, Jacob Gallery, you got anything you want to plug? Uh, sure. Go to my YouTube channel. There will be a new video up... Uh, Today or tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this. Sweet. Leo. And, you, and the YouTube oh, channel is also called Jacob Geller. There we go. Not Jake Geller. Please don't look at that guy. Uh, Leo Vader, you got anything you want to plug, man? Comment on Jacob Geller's videos. Okay. Leo Gang. Yeah. Leo, say <laughs> Leo Rocks. Okay. That sounds great. Uh, Janet, you got anything? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. You know, follow me uh, everywhere under the handle Game Onesis, Game O N Y S U S, uh, especially Twitch, because I've been doing a bunch of Twitch stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're still streaming Yakuza like a dragon? Mm-hmm. It's long, so I'm probably going to be streaming that for, like, the rest of my life. <laughs> probably. I'm enjoying it. 
It is super fun. Uh, cool. Thanks so much for watching, listening, everybody. And thank you to everybody who's at the Game Champion tier who jumped up there over there on Patreon. People like Rich McLaughlin, who chose to declare themselves the champion of Hyperdot, the game that Charles McGregor developed. Very interesting strategy. And the next game champion is Charles McGregor, who chose to champion themselves uh, the official champion of Oppa Switch which is the game that Rich McLaughlin developed. I see what's going on over here, Rich and Charles. Mm -hmm. It's not against the rules, but uh, well done, well done. Uh, Jacob Tyler is officially the champion of, very appropriate, of Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen. Congratulations, Jacob, because everyone's coming back to that game now that the second Dragon's Dogma game has been announced. So you are officially the champion. Congratulations. Also, this is what I love, Dunder chose out of any game possible, they chose to declare themselves the champion of Snoopy Flying Ace on the Xbox 360. Hell yes, great choice. Uh, Miguel Magi chose Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Kong Quest. They are officially the game champion of Donkey Kong Country 2. Fantastic soundtrack, fantastic game. Patrick Polk is officially the champion of the one and only God Hand. He now has the God Hand. Congratulations to Patrick Polk. Great choice. Uh, again, you can join this flock uh, and also get your game in the running for a little piece of bonus content as well by supporting us at that game champion tier over there on Patreon. Alright, that's it everybody. Thanks so much for watching and listening for the third time. Be good, have fun, let's go! Let's go!